In a world where people actually watch the stuff their friends recommend, this is I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. Something like 36. Does that include me? Um, 37. I'm 37? Going to class. Oh, my God. 37. My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks. In a row? On that note, greetings, lookers. Welcome to this edition of I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. I'll be your host, Ben Mitchell, and you can find me on Twitter and most social media with the handle at Red Hen Media One. Look for that red hen icon. And today we will be discussing Clerks, which came out in 1994. That is a indie comedy feature film that's currently streaming on HBO Max. And I'd just like to say 37, that's nothing. Try 307 in a row. Wait, I'm talking about how many sit-ups I would do for a Klondike bar. What are you talking about? <laughs> And I'm here today with my distinguished co-hosts who are likely talking behind my back. So let's join their conversation already in progress. Hi, gang. Hey, what's Hello. up, everyone? <laughs> She's simultaneously credible and incredible, the anomaly, Kat Ramirez. Oh, just like I'm always real with my friends and family, I always keep it real with y'all, too. As always, grateful to be here. <laughs> we're we're grateful to have you here. My dog's growling. Um, but uh, yeah, you were just at Disneyland, right? So I don't know how yeah. grateful I would be. <laughs> yeah, exhausted. And I'm sure your dog's growling because I'm the cat speaking. So, you know. That's right. Yeah. Cat and dog. <laughs> <laughs> and the provocative one. And current two-time Hoodie, who, Hoodie, Who Dundee Award winner and reigning champion, Mr. Devin Schwartz. Do you remember when the game was on? Pepperidge Farm remembers. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and my good friend, the incendiary James Pepe. Yeah, ben, you stole my joke, and I, I'm not going to be... I was going to say, how many dicks is too many dicks? But... Um... I feel like there's a golden mean in there somewhere. But then Devin, Devin's joke is funnier than whatever I'm going to say. So <laughs> I don't know, but it's more than 307. <laughs> so, do you Andy, remember how many dicks is too many dicks? Pepperidge Farm remembers. <laughs> there you go. That's it. <laughs> Nailed it. And uh, last but not least, the irrepressible gentleman, Jim Scott. Hey, Jim. Hey, hey, uh, I'm, I'm wondering how many dicks is not enough dicks. Let's go the opposite <laughs> of the question. There yeah. you go. Uh, but on that note, welcome. 307. Yeah. A, a non-zero amount. <laughs> there you go. Welcome, gentle listeners and friends. And uh, I have my perfect slacker shirt to discuss a slacker movie. 
Nice. But first... Who started on that rundown yet? Oh, this is just something I'm taking a break with. Oh, I will right, get back to the rundown uh, right now. Okay, great. Hey, you know what? Do you have a rundown that I could take a look at just so I know what type of rundown you're looking for? Just keep it simple. Keeping it simple, that's what yeah. I'm doing. But I am working hard on this one, real hard. You're so. working hard on this? No, not, not too hard, not harder than I should. Right. I mean, why work harder than you should? <laughs> no, I... So uncomfortable. Our boss, Charles Miner, just demanded a rundown, and... Jim from the office just handed the dossier to Devin. So let's see what you've got for us on Clerks. Yeah, all right. So Clerks is a 1994 American black and white buddy comedy film written, produced, and directed by Kevin Smith. Film stars Brian O'Halloran. And Jeff Anderson, who stars the uh, two leads, Dante Hicks and Randall Graves, um, along with their acquaintances. Um, Clerks is the first um, film in the, and this is just the worst name, Ask, 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 Ask Universe? Ask, 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 I don't know how it's supposed to be pronounced. Ask Universe, Ask, I bet. Ask, Ask, Universe, yeah. yeah. Um, which also includes uh, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Clerks 2, Jay and Silent Bob Super Groovy Cartoon Movie, and Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, in that order. Um, it had a budget of $27,575, most of which Kevin Smith earned by selling his comic book collection. Um, and it grossed $3 million, which is quite a uh, profit, considering how little they spent. Um, the film was entirely filmed in uh, Kevin Smith's in the stores that he worked in the uh, in in I think Canada, um, which isn't on here, but I believe. And uh, in 2019, it was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress, who deemed it culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. Oh wow! I'll buy that. Uh, yeah, I'll quite buy an that. accolade. Yeah. Um, in terms of awards. Uh, did not have that pulled up. Give me one second. I wonder if this universe, if I'm saying that correctly, included the, and you may have said this and I may have missed it, but there was like a cartoon series that came out in like 2000, ran for like a season or two. Yeah, the, the, I, well, that's a movie. There's Jay and Silent Bob Super Groovy cartoon movie. I, I don't know if yeah, that's not a that series. It was different. Yeah, there was a series too. Probably doesn't include um, it because it was a little different. A little yeah. different. Fun though. Uh, so the Cannes Film Festival, it won uh, for uh, Award of the Youth for Kevin Smith. Um, the Award Merce of the Youth, that sounds made up. The Mercedes-Benz <laughs> Award um, and the Golden Camera. All of these sound fake. What is that right, with the I'll Cannes give it three registers, naming Yes. <laughs> I, think, I think Kevin Smith invented all of these awards. I think he wrote this IMDb page. He may um, have. Sounds like something yeah, that seems like the most uh the biggest accolades um in trivia uh we have the fact that um the actor who played jay um, which i'm missing the name of jason muse who played jay was so camera shy that during the dance scene with him and kevin smith everyone yeah. uh, the entire crew had to leave and go inside the store so that he could dance alone with the camera mm -hmm. and uh, have set. no one but Kevin Smith with them, yeah. Which they usually reserve for like nudity and sex scenes. But for him, it was <laughs> yeah. dancing. I get it. He busted out the um, 
Running Man, I noticed. Yes, he did. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Smith was also originally uh, originally cast himself as Randall, which is why Randall has uh, you know some of the great the best zingers in the in the film. Oh, absolutely. Um, and uh, apparently, and I didn't pick up on this, but apparently, this film is loosely based on the Divine Comedy, which is why the main character's name is Dante. Um, which I've I've read a a good amount of the Divine Comedy. I don't see a ton of similarities, but uh, you know, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll find the Colonel. Let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's delve into that. Uh, later i, I, I don't i don't remember that being somewhere. a thing but it's one of those things i pretty sure i had heard before and totally forgotten and then rediscovered now that you mentioned it because of um, course then, Dante. finally it has um a tied 89 uh, both tomato meter and audience score on rotten tomatoes which is something you rarely see a uh, an agreement between the uh, critics and the audience what was the score again 89 so oh, solid a we'll see solid. if uh, yeah, yeah we'll see if our grade agrees yeah, I'm curious what everyone thinks about this, and also because it's been so long. And uh, I don't know. Did it say what it was shot on? Did you did you come across that in your research? No. I'm guessing 16 millimeter by the look of it, but I I don't know. It just doesn't look as fine as like a 35 millimeter camera. Yeah, I'm but not that's sure. all it took at the time. I mean, that's still better resolution than you would get off of video at the time. You couldn't do it that way. So this is still during like those filmic years, right? Interesting. Well, good stuff. Yeah, and there's plenty more uh, that will... I, I know he maxed out some credit cards to make it, and uh, so he just kind of swung for the fences. But if you believe in yourself, and, you know, he... I, you could argue whether or not he's a good writer, but I think he did a good job for a first attempt here writing. So um, mm-hmm. if you have a solid script, you know, like, believe in it, then, yeah, it might be time to do that. But um, make sure you actually have a good script, folks. Um it's kind of key. Uh, okay, but before we get too far into the discussion, it's time to figure out... That's right, we've reached the segment where we guess and reveal who is responsible for this week's submission. And then the winner with the most correct guesses at the end of this series will win a Who Dundee Award. So... Let's start with uh, our illustrious champion, Devin Schwartz. Who done it? Um, so I struggled with this one a little bit, more than usual, I think. And it may be my uh, streak breaker here. Uh, but um, for almost entirely arbitrary reasons, I'm going to say this was Pepe's film. And I'm not even positive. Uh, I don't have, really have an explanation. I just, I feel it. Okay. Well, your feelings have... Um not led you astray yet so who, um, who, Kat, i don't oh. even remember who are the possible who are our possible options <laughs> uh, jim you and cat yes okay. so cat who done it i believe this is a jim film um i feel like he tends to or at least for the last pick that there is a lot of kind of comedic relief so i feel like there's a lot of comedy in this so i mean obviously it's a comedy so i can see this being a gym film but like Devin said i struggled with this along with clearly the other two picks we've had so far because i'm not winning um but yeah so <laughs> i'm gonna go with jim but honestly i i'm not very 100 percent sure on that pick either well if you were to get it right that has its own consolation to it so 
I'm with you on that. Um, okay, Pepe, who done it? Uh, you know, this is a hard one too. Uh, I I think this is a hard one too. Um, I think so too. I'm gonna pick. And I'm going to tell, I'm going to say why. I'm going to pick Kat because I know that she also has an HBO Max account. Because <laughs> That's an interesting so strategy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So All that right. I'm going to pick Kat. Um, although nice. I could see, I could definitely see this being a gym movie. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with Kat. Jim, mm-hmm. it's clearly not you. Who done it? Um, <clears throat> you know, it, it's kind of strange because this has got you, Ben, written all over it. But your yeah. <clears throat> your choice has already been cast, so I can't pick that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's Cat Pepe. You kind of have an eye towards irreverence, and this movie is definitely irreverent. Um, I'm gonna pick you. I think it's you, Pepe. Interesting. And for me, and yeah, I would vote for me too if I hadn't already uh, yeah. used up my my choice. So that's that was solid thinking. Um, yeah, this was a tough one. Between the three of you, I just keep going back and forth. Um, but I'm going to go with Jim because you tend to pick a little lighter, funner fare, and this is our era of coming up and we would both you know this would have been a big movie for both of us so i'm thinking jim but i also admit it readily that it could be any the last three of you i've gone back mm-hmm. and forth several times so who has the most votes i think it's jim but oh, correct me I, jim and pepe are tied is it, is it too late for me to change my vote i want i might want to change the jim i mean we I'm... haven't revealed anything what do you guys think let's all be <laughs> 12 angry people here <laughs> Do we let um, him change, or do you lock it in and you're done? I'll stay. I'll stay. I'll stay. I'll stay. All right. Okay. I, um, I think though mm-hmm. to discuss the precedent that you know deliberation in a jury is done for a reason, right? So mm-hmm. if you're speaking, if we're speaking our reasons aloud, and something kind of strikes a chord with you, and you decide to change it. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like taking a standardized multiple choice test, right? They say never second guess. So, I mean, it's at your own peril. But I, I personally okay. feel you should have the option to change as long as it doesn't get like too chaotic. Sure. Yeah, I think that what I'll do is we'll just lock it in at the end after we hear reasoning. Does that? Does anyone object to that? No. No. Okay. So, so I, uh, I'll, I think I'll stay. I think I'll stay. You stick. Okay. All right, votes have been recorded and locked in. And Devin, who who has the most votes? I believe Jim and Pepe are tied. They both have two against them. So okay, well I think since I, I guess oh no, Jim guessed me. Okay, yeah, since I guessed Jim, uh, I want to hear from Jim first. So Jim, was it you or not? Um, have you done it? Um, all I have to say is, Pepe, you should have erased your your mark and oh, um, no, and doubled in the other one because it was me. Oh, I should have known. That, that would never correct. What a fool! Look at her. She's like, yeah, no, I never would have picked <laughs> no. one. No. What a fool I well was. Done. My hubris. So, what was it that cued you to want to change? Then, James. 
Well, I just started, I I was like, wait a minute, what is this movie about? It's about guys working like crummy jobs. And if, and uh-huh. Jim is always telling me about his crummy <laughs> jobs that he's had. Uh-huh. So, okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. I'll just say that the first, I agree because I, I'll say the first time, and this is going back a ways, but uh, when Office Space came out, I saw it in the theater and quit my job that very afternoon. So really? I very much. Oh yeah, I was done. I was waiting tables at the time too, which yeah. I did again. But the specific place, all it remains, I don't think is even in business anymore. Uh, the chain, I'll just say it, it was Baker Square. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they really mistreated. Well, there goes their our employees. sponsorship. Yeah, yeah, cancel it. <laughs> I don't think they're a brand anymore. Um, no, but it's very, I, it's very similar to where uh, Jim works, right? Don't you work it's at the a same charity? building? Same exactly. Building. In Runner yeah. Park as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, do you work the Runner Park branch? Mm-hmm. I'll yeah, call it a branch. yeah. That's the only that's the only Sherry's out here. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought there was one in Santa Rosa as well. Uh, no, no. Uh, they well, they okay. bought out Caro's, and there was a Caro's, and that's not there anymore. I see. Weird. Yeah, times they are changing. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, all right, so now join, join us for a local fast local diner uh, podcast talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. a roundup of local diners and yeah. whether yeah. they still exist. It's like the non tongue in cheek uh, flags thing from uh, that that show. Anyway, uh, Jim, get get away from me struggling to remember the name of that show, Big Bang Theory. Um, you <laughs> should tell us what brought you to choose Clerks. Yeah, there was a lot of reasons. Um, One of the reasons is when I was thinking of black and white, um, I thought that there would be a lot of heavy titles picked, right? Because your first instinct with black and white is go to the past, right? And black and white tends to lend itself towards uh, heavy subject matter. Right. So so you have the 12 Angry Men, which we reviewed. You have Schindler's List. Like it's it's a staple kind of of more serious films or even going back way back to like film noir, you know, that were cast in black and white. And I thought it was interesting that Clerks was done in black and white. And it's an irreverent, independent comedy. Mm -hmm. So I thought that would be a good mix and it would be different than the other choices that were made um by us yeah i think it was a good aesthetic choice and it probably was a money saving choice as well but i think it worked aesthetically um yeah boy that film grain was uh overwhelming i don't remember it looking so grainy when it first came out but uh, did you guys notice that yes yes i i i did and i don't and i'm in in the same camp as you ben and i think our eyes get trained because, mm-hmm. I mean, I could be wrong, but in 94, and they were talking about VHS and all of that, but in 94, I don't think high definition was even around. If it was, I think it was still it the 720. A, it may have played a part in it. It may be mm-hmm. because we haven't seen it in a higher resolution. So, mm-hmm. But uh, before we move on to too much uh, talk about film and stuff, um, I'm curious if anyone hasn't seen Clerks before. That. This was my first time. Yeah, me too. Really? Nice. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, so I had heard of it. I had definitely seen um, clips and memes of, of in quotes. Um, actually, there's a really funny video that I like. That's a dub of another show um, called Legend of Korra, where they dub in the line that you played at the beginning, Ben, about the blowjobs, and it's like hilarious. And I I never knew where the original audio was from. I just oh. love that video. And uh, now yeah. I need to go search that clip out. Yeah, I'll send it to you later. It's it's good. Cool. It's a well done dub. Right on. So uh, I will Kat, say a lot of people. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, I would say a lot of people uh, my age seem to have actually watched this film. So it was not. It seemed like yeah, it wasn't because I think it's because me and Devin are I have a younger. We were born after this movie was released. Um, that that's the reason why. But um, yeah, I know I hadn't seen this film before, and it was definitely. We'll get into it, but um, I definitely liked it. I enjoyed it. So cool. Yeah, um, I'm curious to see those of us who have seen it before how it stood uh, held up for you. And Jim, had you seen it recently at all? Because I hadn't seen it in probably decades. To no. Be <clears throat> so to get in, and this will tie into your question. <clears throat> I had seen it when it first came out. Um, uh, in '94, it was a year after I graduated high school, and I definitely loved, you know, movies. I go to the movie as a teenager. I went to the movie, you know. Uh, see every horror movie that came out everything but i yeah. ended up getting gaining an interest in independent movies and um i grew up in backerville so there wasn't a movie theater that played independent movies i had to go up to Sa sacramento um to either the tower theater or the crest movie theater to watch like indie films. I can't remember if this one only played at indie or if it had a main release. I want to say it had a main release, but I, I can't remember. I know that I only saw it ever on a video cassette. Um is one of those indie films I discovered that way with as I've said before, just renting stacks upon stacks of videos. Yeah. Um and taking the re recommendations of the Randalls of the world if they uh deemed me important enough right <laughs> to yeah. give the recommendation um but that was the only time i had seen the movie um mm -hmm. oh, wow. i had in theater then was the last i time I, I, th I now that part you know i'm kind of alluding to the fact that i've seen it in, in theaters and i definitely seen some independent movie in movies in theaters i cannot remember because i've been ni 19 18 19 I, know. I can't remember how i saw it but i remember reading a okay. review on it and wanting to watch it and having watched it and i've probably seen it a couple of times after that along with everything else mall rats clerks too um mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. i just loved that irreverent type of uh comedy um uh, back then but no i hadn't watched it recently yeah and he enjoyed a string of hits uh after that set yes. in that same I don't even want to say it again. Something verse, uh, a skew verse, or if I'm yeah. saying it right. Um, well, it's named after his production company, right? A view, view askew. askew. Yeah. Uh, did did the version you guys watched come with that very strange like animation for the view askew stinger? Yeah, yeah, that was so weird. He must have had like a friend do it or something. Yeah, that that makes me think it probably didn't get a theatrical release because I I don't think you could have that opening in a theater like a normal like an indie theater they don't give a shit but i don't i don't know if a regular yeah. theater would allow that and uh, i'm curious about bizarre. this this seems like one of those like got into sundance and then that creepy guy harvey weinstein or whatever snatched it up for miramax and 
Uh, he palled around with the Affleck and uh, Matt Damon, and the rest is history. Yep. Just like, and similarly, he worked at a clerk as a, as a clerk in a store. Um, I don't know if he worked at a video store or not, but that was in the film. But um, I think Quentin Tarantino also came from a video store background. He worked at a video store and wrote. Yeah, I think that's right. It's a great way to get a film uh, education, to be honest. I mean, watching movies is a big part of that. So it's kind of cool. And it's the same, same era, you know, early, early 90s. Um, yeah, I feel like some people, because I've known people over the years that really love movies, will tend to gravitate towards working at a video store at, at some point or a movie theater. You know, yep. and it, and it's a, the, their love no. for film. I was a projectionist and uh, did also like the janitor type stuff, uh, depending on the night I was working and um, worked there for a few years and also worked at a, uh, a shitty video store, which was like the best job of my life. Yeah, it was great. You know, it's uh, funny that you mentioned Tarantino. Shitty. <laughs> I'll give them a shout out. Video droid. I don't think they're still around either. They held in there longer than most. But yeah, go ahead, uh, Pepe. Let's talk yeah, Tarantino. Yeah, it was because I this it reminded me so much of Tarantino that I looked up when Reservoir Dogs came out because I was like, mm-hmm. this is either before mm-hmm. or right after Reservoir Dogs, mm-hmm. and Reservoir Dogs was ninety two, and then Pulp Fiction was ninety four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So these guys were writing these kinds of like dialogue heavy in this like new way in this new way yes um yeah so there was something in the air that was like ripe at that time for these kinds of conversations appearing in movies also dialogue's cheaper to shoot but um in tarantino's case he's like you know shakespearean about it um not that kevin smith is is bad i think he did a really, really great job with a first-time script like that. Yeah, definitely. Oh, Reservoir Dogs is classic. Yeah, and Tar- well, Tarantino had sold a script that they didn't let him direct, and so he was kind of on the Raider, uh, go Brittany. Um, <laughs> <laughs> again, <laughs> I'll support her until she wins her freedom or whatever. Um, yeah, but he had written a movie called, um, oh, for Ryan out loud, what is it called? It was starring Christian Slater, and um, it was a, it was uh, you know, let me just look it up. It wasn't true yourselves. romance, was it? Yes, it was true romance. True romance. Thank you, Joe. Oh, really? Okay. He wrote that. Okay. He did, yeah. and they were gonna kind of consider letting him direct, and um, they did not. Um, they got one of the big guys. I forget who was, but um, that so he was definitely like known at that point, uh, and then I think. Harvey Keitel got his back to get Reservoir Dogs up and running. Dude, such class, such a classic. Um, you Pepe, you had mentioned something in the air, and that was part another part of the the also the reason that I picked it. Um, this movie because I feel like like cult, you know, when we talked about this in our review of other films, that culture informs along a, a bunch of different lines, right? Absolutely. And today we have our slew of irreverent comedy. You know, I mean, we just talked, we talked about Bo Burnham a few times. You, I you watched know. it finally. 
Perfect. Perfect. And and I think that, you know, with the internet and streaming services and YouTube and all of this, we get our our uh just a I don't want to say a glut, but we get as much as we want of irreverent comedy. But coming out of the 80s, where you had like capitalism and high gear, you know, but um, also at the same time with this corporatization and everything going on, you had this funneling of the work into uh, service, you know, certain services from Wall Street to, you know, restaurants and, you know, all these other things that. I don't know if they really add a whole lot of value. It's kind of like that, you know, that uh, analogy of the laundry machine, you know, the money just kind of circulates yeah. around that type of thing. But you had some irreverent comedians and other things starting to come out of the 80s. Like you had Dennis Leary and um, the other Dennis. <laughs> um, Dennis Miller. Yes, Dennis Miller and George Carlin. Um, although he'd been around for a while, you know, these yeah. things were kind of making their way in much the same way some of the anti-establishment was starting in the late 50s to get away from mm -hmm. this leave it to beaver wholesomeness, you know, into some of this counterculture type of themes. I think the same thing was happening in the 80s um, mm -hmm. to talk about, you know, the, the, the beginnings of the talk that the American dream isn't so dreamlike, right? and poking at the systems around us. And that continued to flourish in the 90s and the aughts. And now it's just a staple that, you know. Yeah, it's almost like the more homogenized the 90s were becoming, the bigger mm -hmm. the counterculture voice had to push yes. back. Yes, and exactly. some of the stuff that they were making in the 90s, not all of it, because you got around this time, what, Jurassic Park came out and um, Terminator 2 and stuff. You had those types of movies that were like game changing, but some of the approaches of the eighties were getting a bit stale and mm -hmm. uh, right, right then in the early nineties in Hollywood, there was like the deal making thing was the biggest part. Like what's the name? And that like, that was really all what mattered. And so you were getting yep. like lesser fare and um, yep. some of the directors were getting older at that point. And um, it just kind of opened up for, this whole new generation of voices um, that, that came in at the right time. And they're all still with us pretty much still, still making movies. Yeah. And so this movie was kind of roll, you know, riding along that wave of that that's mm -hmm. going on. And I was hoping that at least some of us hadn't seen it. And it was great, you know, Me that too. you Dev and you cat hadn't seen it because it's interesting to see, and I know we'll discuss this, how you see it with, you know, your your eyes. Um, and for those of us, and I had guessed that the three of us had seen it, and how well did it age? And I was very interested in seeing that. How, how well did this movie age, you know? That was my big question going in, because I, I really, yeah. truly hadn't seen it in so long, and I'd seen all, all of his subsequent subsequent work probably more even than the first than clerks what started it uh -huh. right and um by the way has anyone else worked as a clerk we many probably several of us have has anyone else had that kind of experience where you worked as a clerk 
I've, I've never had no, that nobody? exact like front you know like working the cash register job i mean i worked at a candy store when i was in high school but it was pretty low-key um but i have had the title of clerk technically i'm a night crew grocery clerk at the moment so i've certainly been called one but i've never had that exact position well maybe it translates to just customer service in general or whatever but a lot of the stuff they yeah, did on was, like felt accurate you know yeah, yeah. i do customer experience. service stuff too yeah it's terrible Dude, it's like all the wall terrible the yeah. thing that kills me is people walking in asking are you open what <laughs> do you if you just take five seconds just to think about that question you know because we get it at the restaurant all the time hey are you open <laughs> no, no i'm like just answering people... the phone for no reason it seems like any like industry that's like a service thing a lot of people will just take that as some kind of like it's probably not even conscious probably just like a subconscious cue to just kind of shut down part of their brain and like let you do the heavy lifting on the thinking maybe you know what though there's yeah. a type you know of though, the, that does that like, i'm gonna check out it, now that i'm here at your restaurant the thing of it is though <laughs> is that they do the exact they'll do the exact opposite too like i remember the job that i had previously like um if i would forget to to lock the door while i was closing people would walk in and I'd be like, oh, hey, we're closed. And they would get so fucking mad. Like, well, why is the door open? How it's like, dare dude, you? Like, what the, like, get the fuck out of here. It's, we're closed. Like, I don't care about yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. You're not gonna, once that, once you cross that threshold, there's no unclosing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not start, I'm not gonna turn the computer on again for you. Like, no, whatever, no. You know. And a lot of places these days, you can't even. Like, it's just, yeah. you know, because it's so networked. It's like, it's out of my hands, which is kind of nice, actually. You know, sorry. Well, I, I, point to the computer. I found it, I found it so interesting because I think if you, like, if you take that conversation that they have at the beginning of Reservoir Dogs about who gets tipped and who doesn't and mm -hmm. just took it whole cloth and put it into this movie, you would never know that it was from another oh, movie. Such yeah. a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it, it's, it's, it's weird how these people come up like how yeah that these styles originate like presumably in two separate minds right kevin smith and tarantino probably didn't know each other but cut from but the they same are, era of cloth yeah they're the, just like there's something the in the element. air that's making it that's yeah and even the these some of the comedians that jim had mentioned like dennis leary you, he might just pull that you know out in an act and you wouldn't know you know, it's the mm -hmm. same type of thing. Who gets tipped, who doesn't. I could see him doing that as a bit. Yep. Fish yeah, Boots. Yeah. Does anyone know the Fish Boots reference? No. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a 90s movie, too. Things to do in Denver when you're dead, I think, is the Fish Boots. Mm. Oh, no. Uh, no, that was uh, a different one of those. There was a bunch of Tarantino-like rip-off films that came out after Pulp Fiction came out. Like everyone had to make a Tarantino-esque yep. movie. Things to do in Denver when you're dead was one of them. Another one was called Suicide Kings, and that's I think that's the fish yep. one. He had bought Stingray boots for like you know five grand, and then the the other mafia guys were being calling him Fish Boots after that. So no, they're not Fish Boots. They're Stingray, man. Stingray. Fish Boots. That's funny. Yeah. Anyway, all these <laughs> movies back then are make up this tapestry, interesting tapestry. It's almost like the music of the day that you grew up with kind of holds a special place, you know. It's the same thing you know what? with these indie films in the 90s. Fucking Natural Born Killers came out in 94, too. 
That's another just, great movie. It's, it's, yeah, all these. Oh man. It's yeah. This, no, this whole era was here. full of that. It was almost. It I, almost felt like you couldn't make a movie outside of this after a while. Yeah. yeah. I bumped that soundtrack for Natural Born Killers for years. I love that soundtrack. I remember seeing that one in the theater as well. Mm-hmm. And it was a pretty, pretty big deal. Wasn't that Oliver Stone? Wasn't he the director on that one? Yeah, I yeah, believe I so. Well, you guys have got one up on me. I, I was only like nine or ten when these movies came out, so I, <laughs> I didn't see them in the theater. <laughs> me and Kat are just sitting here like, we, we haven't seen any of these fucking movies. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, you have no frame of reference. Uh, like well, nothing. Uh, we'll revi- we'll revisit this conversation in like two years after the, we've submitted all of them. And then we'll this know. is the the continuing edu- the continuing film education of Devin. Where yes. He fucking knows where his good quotes come from. Yeah, uh, Devin, maybe you should put back uh, you know movies older than you. <laughs> yeah, let's let's make a ruling. <laughs> we were fighting before. We were not fighting. We were talking before the show about next series is. Uh, how we choose the next series with the Jeopardy theme. Yeah. So we swapped out one for the other. What was the one you swapped in again, Devin? I uh, swapped in time travel movies. Oh no, that has to stay. Time travel's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a rich vein. I hope that wins oh, actually. Good. We'll see what the roll of the die uh uh says. The almighty dice. So uh let me hit a audio clip just to like wet your palates for uh the uh, movie known as <laughs> Clerks, which uh, actually had a lot of cultural um, significance, which we'll also get to. But uh, let's start with something kind of lighter. I'll watch what he's gonna sing and watch is too funny. My love for you is like a truck bell sucker. Would you like some making fuck bell sucker? <laughs> That's fucking funny, man. Did he say making fuck? <laughs> it was like it was almost Jeez. like he strung together like br- kind of brilliantly a bunch of like real quick bits or short films it was almost like a just like a almost like a comedy series or something where they mm-hmm. like swap out in and out different bits and characters and stuff yeah it worked so you well know, though and then he strung it around a good through line of the story though i had forgotten about the title cards i had totally forgotten mm-hmm. about that and the more I looked at the title cards, the the more I was like, "What the fuck do these title cards have to do with anything that's happening in this movie?" I couldn't I couldn't put them together. Yeah, all these uh, when I was reading through the trivia, all the ones that talk about it being um, like based on Dante's Inferno, every time the only evidence they gave was that there are nine title cards in the film, and there's nine layers of hell, and it's like that's it, mm. and it's like just because there's nine of something in the film and there's a guy named Dante does not make it based on Dante's Inferno. It's it's bizarre. (laughs) Yeah, and that's probably Kevin Smith, like, at the time, being 22 or whatever he was, patting himself on the back, like, (laughs) brilliant! (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Did you guys notice, though, that the Berserker song returns at the end? You actually, like, the actual song they play, uh, it's one of, like, the final scenes. Mm -hmm. It's, like, the background music. When she's going away in the ambulance or whatever, I think so. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. I was appreciate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and another one, they God. they have like a like a Star Wars song going in the back when they're talking about the Death Star. Let me see if I have that yeah. part. But mm-hmm. let's 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 go into this Death Star thing because this is the cultural significance I was talking about. I have two clips lined up here. Okay, and I'm going to call okay. out George Lucas here. 
But uh, here's the first one where they, the famous, probably the most famous part of this movie is what uh, Kevin Smith wrote about uh, Return of the Jedi and, and civilians dying and blowing up the second Death Star. I think the average stormtrooper knows how to install a toilet main. All they know is killing in white uniforms. All right, so they bring in independent contractors. Why are you so upset at its destruction? All those innocent contractors brought in to do the job were killed. Casualties of a war they had nothing to do with. All right, look, you're a roofer. Some juicy government contract comes your way. You got a wife and kids, the two-story in suburbia. This is a government contract, which means all sorts of benefits. Along come these left-wing militants and blast everything within a three-mile radius with their lasers. You didn't ask for that. You have no personal politics. You're just trying to scrape out a living. So very clever with the Chewbacca thing going in the background, I thought. Well done. He put a lot of thought into yeah. the sound. He got some kind of a song that was kind of a radio hit, too. I don't remember the name of it, but I was like, how the hell did he get... Uh... Song rights are a, a tough thing for filmmakers. Maybe one of the toughest things to... to um navigate especially early on and a lot of film deals have fallen apart because it didn't quite get those rights sorted out but i think uh getting picked up by miramax they probably went to bat for him and and tossed some more money in i suspect that that would have ballooned the budget a little bit uh more than the original film that might have run at sundance or in the film festivals and stuff well there, there were definitely some that. uh uh-oh there Jim were definitely some that uh, opinion there were definitely some covers of like well-known songs in there that I sound alike. Heard. Yeah. Well, they were, yeah, they were like some, some band that was probably friends with Kevin Smith doing covers of the songs that he wanted in the scenes. Well, I won't dwell on it cause I don't remember the name, but I thought it was the original one, but yeah, the, when they do that, I think it's called a sound alike and they'll just, yeah. And you still, they do it all the time. Still, it's a little bit cheaper. Um, and so, okay. And then if they can really, the, a lot of these songs they reproduce so well, you really have to listen to hear that it's a sound alike. They can, they can get it pretty close. I noticed yeah. one the other week in like a car commercial. I was like, Oh no, that's a little different. Um, but anyway, let's follow up that, that can you imagine like doing a little indie flick like this with your buddies and then, and then you put like a, you know, multi-billion dollar company like Lu Lucasfilm on its heels so bad and keep George Lucas up at night that he has to like slip this into the prequels. Uh, I came up with the idea of adding a little schematic of the Death Star in here because the Geonosians build robots and build things. They're sort of the construction workers. They would be the ones that would probably be contracted to build the Death Star. And uh, they were the ones that Jay and Silent Bob worried that they got killed on the Death Star, but they are after all just a bunch of large termites. Not good enough. Lucas, oh, that just makes you an anti-termitist. Why? Why not just say droids built it? That's what my thought was. Like, if I when I was watching that scene, if I, I inserted myself, I was like, if I was in that argument, I'd just be like, droids probably built it. Like, why wouldn't you have droids do all menial labor? Why? Why in a society where droids exist, why would any human being do any menial labor? Like that reminds me of that argument droids. in uh, Swingers when he's like, "You're this big bear with these." effing you know claws and these effing teeth and you're looking at this rabbit like how many how am i going to slay this little bunny how am i going to slay this cute little bunny i mean he literally like uses droids as fodder during all the prequels like there was just droids everywhere to chop down with lightsabers you know because you're not you're not killing people you know it keeps it a little a little uh, cleaner right so he's got all these droids and he's like oh no these like termites did it you know but they're sentient beings you know right 
Yeah, but then <laughs> then they made the battle droids way too cute, and then you felt bad when they died because they were too funny because they were just cute little guys. Just you know, Roger Roger. It was Roger adorable. Roger. Yeah, they were yeah. kind of. Oh, comedic. And it's like I'd rather, I'd rather just killing clone troopers at this point because like oh, now the droids are cool. <laughs> I like the droids. Pepe, you have something to add? That's all I have to say. Well, no, but I don't, I don't even know why. I don't even now know I'm why. I'm incendiary. I don't know why you wouldn't just be like, uh, it's a movie. It didn't happen. No one died. That's a, uh, oh, that's a okay. Fun, I see. That's a fun thing to contribute to a conversation. God. I thought you were going to like shit all over the prequels for a second. Oh, well, I can do that. But come on. I mean, beating a dead horse. Everybody knows those things. Right, right, right. Except for uh, except for our good friend Jordan, there's oh. one man. <laughs> hey, look, yeah. you know, love you, Jordan, if you're listening. Well, George you, is George is definitely listening, so that's why I got you know we got to oh definitely yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know for a fact you watched my uh, fan film though because I we oh, did you? have it we, yes because we had it for rent uh, as a free rental at the video store that I worked for. And those video droids were popular all throughout Sonoma County and Marin County. And his secretary rented it and said she was, she loved it and she showed it to him. So. I was oh, like, wow. That's pretty, neat. That's pretty yeah. awesome. It was a, it was a highlight. Yeah, it was neat. He probably groaned and rolled his eyes, but whatever. It made you look. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I remember is, uh, or one thing we were talking about, um, things that have uh, held up or not, but uh, boy, that audio was a lot rougher than I remember. And a lot of it um, was um, peaking, uh, you know, like when someone yells and, and there's not like a limiter on it, it just sounds distorted. And so anytime they yelled, it just was like, you know, going, going wild. So that was like the toughest part. Cause like, like well, I've said this before, probably audience will forgive the visuals way over bad audio. So those parts probably hurt the most. But I also don't blame them. I mean, they probably had like their buddy Fred doing the boom and the levels and mm -hmm. stuff. So, and Kevin probably didn't know a lot of that technical stuff at the time, too. The outdoor scenes in particular, I felt like uh, were really like everything with Jay and Silent Bob. The audio was pretty bad because they're outside and you know they had to worry about wind, catching the street traffic, all noise that. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and then anytime someone raised their voice, which was a significant amount of time. It's like, okay, well, I'm just going to accept that this is going to distort at every turn. But, um, I mean, a lot of the stuff he did right, too. Um, how about how about this for nostalgia? Uh, did anyone else um, ever own a pair or, or skate on rollerblades? Oh, yeah. Back in the day? I for, I totally forgot about them, but which is crazy because they were super important at the time in the in the 90s, you know, with the Mighty Ducks. And then rollerblades came out, and then everyone was playing street hockey at this point, uh, and ice hockey. But everyone had rollerblades, and I just totally forgot about them. But I, yeah, I bladed, I bladed yeah. all the time. <laughs> I, I was on a roller hockey team. I played roller See? hockey for a long yeah, time. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was a little school. too old, um, but my little brother played for years, and he played ice hockey too because of that. I um even me even even young old me I had a had a pair of rollerblades when I was a kid too I I used them mostly for like transit just to like get places because you sure you, yeah you, you go were... pretty fast yeah um, and yeah. fun fast and fun 
Cat? As a kid, we, yeah, I was going to say the, what you said about the 90s and the air hockey, because I remember doing that as a little kid too. Um, air hockey was really popular playing in the streets. Um, so we had, ro- I had roller skates as well. I wasn't, I can't say I was proficient in it in any sort of way, um, but I had them, I own them. Uh, but what I was actually going to bring up was the fact that roller skates are popular again because TikTok, um, there's a lot, been a lot of uh, roller skating TikTok. So now, like a lot of my roommates have roller skates and like we'll go in the neighborhood and they'll skate through the streets and stuff. What is this TikTok you speak? <laughs> so uh that's interesting so four four yeah. wheel inline blades like roller blades or uh, the four wheel skates like the old roller oh, the four wheel skates, skates. The, the yeah like the old 70s 80s style okay mm-hmm. they're they're more classic like a, it's almost like having a hey and do you have a cassette deck no i have a record player you know because they were that was the original thing the vinyl mm-hmm. was the important thing right Nobody owns a, yeah. nobody owns uh, roller blades anymore. You gotta have the roller skates. Yeah, yeah, man, makes sense. I'm, I was well, the whole time I was watching this, I was really interested about uh, in hearing what Cat had to say about this movie. So I, I'm really Me interested too. to hear what she has to say. Me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell anything, us anything stand out? You said you liked it, but anything, what was good? What was bad? Um. So. So I think the whole my 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 first impression of the movie is that it did very much remind me of like kind of goofing off with my peers and make when we do any sort of production in classes. So it it had a very like amateur feel to it and a very young Definitely. feel to it, and. Yeah. I appreciated that because it was very much like um, you know it's not common to see films that have that sense of like being experimental and kind of yeah being an amateur on something but still having something to say and something um mm-hmm. so it still be good and still be you know like very much what i felt was of course i wasn't born i wasn't alive during that time that this movie was was made but it felt like i was taking back to that time for the people who were that age at that time if that, yeah. if that makes mm-hmm. sense. No, so no, yeah. I was, it was... Yeah. I was able to relate in that sense of, of like, I feel like it was an act, I w- what I would assume was an accurate portrayal of youth in that time. And being young now, um, it reminded me of being with my friends and talking and laughing and, um, yeah, making stuff um, for fun. It was accurate for um, me is what I wanted to say. So, yeah. And l- let me say this, um, that it's, go- yeah. it's really heartening to hear that this movie as unpolished as it was is still feels like this kind of approachable but you know had some value to it kind of production for someone who is also has like a production background you know you almost feel like yeah i could do this you know it's it's almost inspiring in that way you know as long as you have something to say right so if back in the 90s it said the same thing to me is what i'm hearing from you which i like yeah, exactly. Um, and I think the other thing uh, that uh, I liked about this film was I, I am a huge, uh, like, dialogue is a really big thing for me. So I really appreciate the dialogue in this film. And that's been, seem like, a common theme within, like, the films we've chosen. And maybe that's just black and white films in general. They seem to kind of focus more on the human perspective and more of, like, human interaction and 
what people have to say about things kind of currently or in that during that time. Um, so I, I definitely enjoyed that as well. Of course, it's outdated in certain ways. Like, mm-hmm. um, for sure, there is some lingo and some word choices in there that would not be uh, acceptable now. <laughs> um, but, you know, you know I, I, I knew what, you know, you know, anytime you're watching an older film, that's just, that's going to be part of it. So, um, yeah, it shows us where we came from and what we've learned since then. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And there's, um, I also think again, like there's definitely like um, certain, yeah, tropes. But I feel like it's also done intentionally to be comedic. So I always go back and forth on that one. It's kind of like, oh, um, I feel like very much like Veronica, the girlfriend, was very much like, I'm head over heels for this guy, and I'm like, it doesn't seem like he has much going on for him. So why are you head over heels for him doing bringing him lasagna for work? Like, what is going on? Like, one, it's not adding up for me, at least. Yeah, what does this guy like, have? What does this guy have? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, we've talked about that with um, Strange, Stranger Than Fiction, um, yeah. about how there is always this, like, a lot of older films have, like, these, I feel like a lot more well-accomplished, attractive women head over heels for guys who don't have much going on for them. And I'm like, I don't understand why that keeps happening and that is a little like, bit of a that is a little bit of a comedy trope though right like the the yeah. like the like bumbling stupid guys Bumble always have loser. these like smoking hot wives yeah yeah and exactly and that's where i'm like maybe it was for comedic effect i don't know yeah and that's where i go back and forth i'm not really sure but that's there too yeah it's probably just a trope it's almost like very almost lazily implied that there's something more to him that's of deeper value that people pick up on, but it didn't really come through in the performance all that much. I'd say it's yeah, my, it also might really be sure. like dream fulfillment for the filmmaker. Like if only she knew the real yeah, right. me, kind of the nice guys trope, you know? Like, Ooh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that, that's definitely like a lot more cringy now. We've had time to uh, get more self-reflective about that. And be like, yeah, that's weird. Um, I do have a, um, clip of him getting his comeuppance in that regard though we'll we'll jump to that don't take this the wrong way but uh i used to fuck her what yeah about two three years ago while you two were dating i drove a black trans am you're rick darris yeah you know him <laughs> yeah caitlin used to talk about him all the time really <laughs> oh my god rick Jeez. that rick darris in this black trans am <laughs> dude those black trans ams oh man <laughs> Yeah. Don't, the they all, yeah. don't they all talk? Weren't they smart? Irresistible. Uh, according to my TV upbringing. Yeah, right. Yeah, the trans amps. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> now, because of that show, uh, which was, I think it was Knight Rider. Yeah. Yep. Um, anytime I saw a trans am in the 80s, I was like, oh my God, because I thought it was like Kit from Knight Rider or whatever. They were special. Kind of like the DeLorean is kind of still special because of the media surrounding it more than anything else, right? Yeah being a time travel film those cars do look pretty cool though i would like a delorean i'd rather i'd have a delorean before i'd have a trans am yeah going back to last week about winning the powerball definitely a delorean would be a purchase on that list just for the yeah i've heard they're shitty cars i heard they're not they're not good cars (laughs) yeah i would just want to make the back to the future car out of it and leave it at that 
take it to car shows and be like, this is why I'm here. I don't know what your car's like. <laughs> I have disposable income. DeLorean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In anytime, fact, I saw anytime, an old broken down DeLorean. I took a picture of it. I had to. Like, oh my anytime God. I, uh, anytime I see a person my age with a tattoo, I just feel like, when I've never had disposable income on that on that magnitude to make that poor decision. <laughs> <laughs> you lucked out in that regard. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Here's uh, this movie predicted some things. Uh, we have a proto Karen. Okay. So it was, we, they didn't have the terminology oh. yet, but they had, they referenced things that bothered them that we now have terminology for. So here's proto Karen. You mean you haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these? Nope. <sighs> well, what about these two? Oh, they suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate it. I don't appreciate it. your ruse, ma'am. Let me talk to the manager. Yeah, you nailed it, the right? manager. Mm -hmm. He was the first one to call that out. So, um, th and there was some other stuff too. But uh, yeah, what about the? Uh, oh, Pepe had something to add. Well, I was. I mean, this is always. I mean, and Ben, you and I had a little bit of a conversation about this uh, as the last episode was streaming. But yeah. I'm interested. I'm interested about what you guys think of as like the centerpiece of this movie, and like how you think that the movie like what the movie wants our comportment to be towards the characters um yeah i i thought that was and it was interesting to me uh to think about that um especially especially how it's like it's definitely a product of its time you know did you watch this after our conversation because i did yeah i, I did that influenced yeah, yeah. you while you were watching it okay yeah, good conversation. Well, I was, I mean, I was having, I was asking, sorry, I was asking the same questions because I was like, okay, well, what does this movie want? Especially when Dante was having his like hemming and hawing between these two women. Uh, I was, I was really like wondering like, okay, does, does the movie want us to be outraged that this woman has gone down on 37 dudes? Or does the movie want us to think that it's, basically okay how does this movie want it like what how is this movie wanting us to think about this um yeah yeah, yeah things yeah. like that now, i i felt the same way in fact that clip i kicked it off i went back and forth about kicking the show off with that because i think that that sentiment is also probably pretty dated like i that wouldn't phase me if i was dating someone now and there and you know i the number thing wouldn't even occur to me to be honest mm-hmm but uh, yeah, how did that play for everyone? What do you think that he wanted? What do you, did you have an opinion, Pepe? Or do you want us to just kind of take a swing at it? Well, no, I mean, I don't, I think that, well, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, I, I haven't had a particularly large number of sexual partners. So if I found out that a woman that I was dating ha had, uh, I don't know, do, I don't even know if, they, I don't even know if it's supposed to be like, such a hyperbolically large number that we're sort of not supposed to take it seriously or or what i like i i really don't know mm. 
I really don't know what how we're supposed to I wouldn't to know it. either. I would think that it's maybe a little high, but not like insanely crazy or anything. But yeah, I think because if she had time, said like a thousand, you'd be like, oh, okay, this is quite like this is yeah, clearly a yeah, joke yeah, or yeah. something. No, like it's supposed to still be in the realm of possibility, at least. Like a Will yeah. Chamberlain type of thing. You I know? Will, so yeah, right. The first First thing I will say is it that conversation reminded me of what is referred to as body count. Um, that's more the okay. term for it now. New so term like to when me. You, body count. Okay. Yeah, when you ask someone how like how many how many people that you you've been sexual with, um, mm-hmm. that's the terms. What's your body count? Um, <laughs> which that is, you know, I mean that whole. I think that whole conversation is just like. People will, I don't know, for me, it's like, let people do whatever they want. And as long as it's consensual and respectful, I have no problem how many people you are with. Um, And I think the guy freaking out about the girl having that many sexual encounters was like, that was in the past that has, you weren't there. Why are you going to get upset about something that you had no interaction or interference or not part of that at all um i don't know uh at least that's where i'm coming from that's i like to say is probably more akin to a modern takeaway from that whereas back in the day and i don't even know if the term slut shaming was a term back then i don't think it was in fact one of the best contributions of the millennial generation has been the terminology i think it's been really helpful to talk about these things um so props to millennials on that um but I think that sex was considered more icky or like, uh, especially in uh, women's cases. Like if you, you were just considered to be uh, promiscuous or you were very much, I remember that going around being like an accusation of, of women all the time. Like, oh, she's a slut or whatever, you know? Like, so I don't know. I, I still, think that at yeah. the time it would have come off as more of a straight, joke than like a oh he's crazy for reacting that way i think a lot of guys might have actually reacted that way so um i mean that sort of brings me naturally to my like main opinion of the film which i was i was kind of seeing if the the conversation got there um before i kind of just butted in and, and brought the mood down as i typically do um so like i really wanted to like this movie i really went into it wanting to like it i found it like very charming in like that indie way you know, like the low budget, the kind of bad acting, but like not as like obviously blatantly bad, bad as some of the stuff in Nebraska. Um, and oh, really? I thought this outdid <laughs> Nebraska by a damn sight. Uh, something about it felt, acting. <laughs> something about it felt more like a like a student project, like kind of like what Kat was saying, like kind of people just mess yeah, around maybe with more the camera. Forgivable. And yeah, yeah, because the production quality was so much lower than Nebraska, definitely it, it was like more forgiving, kind of the bad acting. But anyway, I'll give you that. And, and like some of the comedy was hitting. I think like the stuff I kind of laughed at was more like the background comedy that like not like direct jokes with kind of indirect jokes. Like the part that made me laugh the most was when he talked about how like you ever notice everything's 99 or every every price ends in nine. Isn't that weird? And like literally every price tag in the entire shot ends in five. None of them end in nine. <laughs> that was my favorite joke. But uh, the thing that detracts all of that for me that, that like makes it impossible for me to like it is just the movie is like so belligerently misogynistic. Like just it like. Is bashing you over the head with how much it despises women and just thinks nothing of them and it's like 
like just i don't know it was painful to watch at times i'm just like jesus christ that is like, looking through a modern lens though and, i mean yeah, yeah I mean, it is but like I'm, that's still and it's disgusting. not an excuse <laughs> yeah no yeah. it's not like an excuse for the behavior but um yeah it didn't play like that back then however in his follow-up movies he i think at least tried to like make up for that or be more conscious of that and explore more positive um uh aspects uh, or, or treating women more positively after that um so my question for you Devin, though i are you i guess because i mean i agree that there's i mean the film has a lot of misogyny in it but i guess for me i'm able to look at it and be like it was a reflection of the time though that misogyny as well and does that kind of over shadow everything else about the movie for you i mean it's kind of this like it's similar to like if you wanted to make a movie based like like a comedy that was based in like the like slavery era of america and you had a bunch of like jokes about slaves and it's like just because it's like a period piece essentially i mean this was made as a period piece but like watching it now effectively you're seeing like a window through time is the yeah, idea yeah that doesn't and, like, wash it's two different things it, this was yeah, made yeah. in that period though this was it's then the analogy would be parallel to if they made a slave film during slavery right i, I guess that's true yeah but um okay then i guess it'd be like if, if they recreated like an old um uh what are the what were those like super racist plays called those little like uh crap oh i know sure where they wear about. blackface that yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. so if you oh, were to minstrel re- minstrel shows minstrel yeah shows, if you were yeah. to like recreate one of those like from an original script recreate it today and, and like it'd still be a little different but still like if the, one of those was recorded somehow by a time traveler and you watched it like it would be very hard to enjoy because it's like it, it's still you know it's still offensive it's still bad it was just as bad i mean it, it like it exists in a vacuum like it was still bad back then it's just people didn't think it was bad like you know it was still bad to be mean to women or you know let me just women. let me just ask this because this well. gets to the this gets to the heart of it it may be the same thing you're trying to get at cat viewing it as you now as a contemporary you um which who we do appreciate um i want to get that out there um, <laughs> do, viewing it now because that and taking that stuff into account which is there and it does bother me as well but can you look past that ever and enjoy the film or does that just you can you acknowledge it as a thing that of that time and then watch it and still enjoy the other parts or is it kind of like a um uh, no starter i mean to me i think especially because it's a comedy i'm being asked to laugh because of how these women are being treated like to laugh at the fact that they're being treated so poorly and like i i can't and i won't and because of that it just it like the comedy that that whole aspect of the comedy which was a big aspect of the movie doesn't work and therefore the whole movie just doesn't work for me i think in a okay. drama if it was something kind of like like similar where you had a, a drama that that involved misogyny or something like that like that yeah, i could definitely like get past that but the fact that i meant to laugh at it i just i can't like comedy is yeah and i so didn't laugh at that stuff either like I, I i would just be like yeah i acknowledge that that's that's a thing and in fact my joke in the beginning was trying to kind of turn that on its head you know can 37 I, that's nothing you know come can on I, it's, it's a ridiculous thing yeah can i ask just a quick my follow-up question okay. also for Devin, um is because you picked 12 angry men and that is blatantly misogynistic because there's no woman at least there's women in this film um so i guess like 
and maybe because in the argument you're trying to make is that this is a comedy and if it was a drama then you it's acceptable but if it's a comedy and they're making jokes at the expense of women then it's not i guess like what i'm trying to understand what the fine line for you is in regards to when is it acceptable for movies to ha include misogyny like 12 angry men and not when it when it has it and it's it makes a movie just a bad movie yeah well i think i mean there's kind of a lot of aspects it's sort of I, it is kind of a difficult question to answer but i think i, I think like we like we discussed with 12 angry men there is a, a case to be made that some of the some of that was was on purpose like again i think the fact that they chose to build that set with a women's restroom like with the word woman painted on the wall despite there being absolutely no women in the film like I, it has to have been deliberate and so that that says to me that <clears throat> the writers and directors of that film were were actively trying to to portray that like this is what happens when 12 angry men get in a room together and like you know like this is the lack of women this movie is like in some way in some small part at least about that whereas in this film i don't think that i think the people who wrote and directed this film had the same opinions of women that the actors and the characters in the film had i don't think they were trying to make a commentary on misogyny they were just putting jokes they thought were funny in the film and they were also anti-women you know like i was letting that process as you said it i was like is that and i think yeah probably you're right so i think at the time he was 20 something and uh coming from the era that, that this came out of he probably did get like a and it, it obviously it played at the time to audiences yeah of course and i'm not saying like i don't think he needs deserves to be canceled for this or anything you know i'm not saying like no one we shouldn't we should ban this film from streaming no. services and his subsequent I'm just saying movies were not me, like that they did not yeah. if i remember correctly but although some of them i haven't seen again in a long time so yeah so Dev I, I will also say that i don't okay at least for me my perspective is yeah there was misogyny but i didn't think that was the i don't even think the women in the film was was a part of the story but it wasn't the main part of the story and i don't think and i also would argue too that his friend kind of called him out on his bullshit of how, the way that he was treating this woman and was saying like hey you're being a coward like you're not telling your current girlfriend that you're basically have you're, you're you have no intention in being with her and you want to be with this other other person um and they even got into a fight because of that and because That's of the fact point. that he would he was the person to tell her and be honest with her and saying, this is what he's doing. So um, I feel like there was definitely at least some sort of held of accountability for the guy that was, was being, you know, was mistreating these women directly mm -hmm. by, you know, kind of, you know, as what he said, being a coward and not being honest with them. So um, there was pushback from another character yeah. on, and, on that point. And again, I'm not saying that he's perfect either. Cause I'm like, he was like, definitely like, checking out one of his girlfriends when she walked by to the bathroom or whatever like uh, i'm not and i'm again i'm in total agreement that there's misogyny in this this film but i guess for me i'm just trying to see if there is some sort of hope for you know you appreciating this film outside of that you know, i also i also think we have it. a tendency as viewers to want to pin some bit of dialogue or action onto the opinion of the, as the opinion of the writer or director when that not, is not necessarily the case. And you're allowed to write, you know, racist characters and, and what, I mean, look at it as good as it gets. Like, you know, like nobody thinks that 
and in that case, it's more obvious. Like nobody thinks that Melvin Udall is like right when he's like you know saying the things and, and as good as 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 good as it gets. Have you yeah. all seen that? I'm getting some blank stares. Okay, good. But okay, some I, of you have. I think that links back to what what Pepe's been saying. Like it's about what the writers want us to think of these characters when they do these things. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't get the impression that the writers wanted us to dislike them because they were misogynistic that didn't come across but i want to hear what jim has to say because jim's been wanting to talk for a while well yeah i i i sorry i'm having a bad internet connection even though i have full bars so um i didn't get the gist of what precipitated this kind of you know going off on on this end with you um Devin. what what sparked this whole uh line for you um just that that my like overall experience with the film was negative because it is a comedy and many of the jokes were reliant on you being able to laugh at women being treated poorly that's best i could so and 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 there was some kind of space because pepe was asking the relevance of sucking off 37 men and then when i came back you were talking about the misogyny so was that in reference to well i was just asking i was asking a similar question to what i asked with nebraska which was just like what does the movie want us to think about these characters does the movie want us to think that dante is right to be like outraged that his girlfriend has been uh you know has been blowing everyone or does it not want us to feel that way does it want us to side with her how does the movie want us to feel about these two guys who are our main characters? So I'll, I'll try a stab um, at that to address like both of you, if I could. And again, this is just the different take, you know, Um, I feel like this movie, I mean, they're young. So, so the characters in the story are young, right? I think somewhere they reference them as 22 or like right out of college that type of thing and they were talking about you know relationships in college and things like that and then on top of that i feel like we got to see i mean because this had an air of authenticity um yeah you know slacking off on your job and telling basically customers to screw off that's kind of an id like if you had you know no holds bar were able to say what you wanted as it appeared in your head to customers that, you know, you serve day in and day out and you're, you know, a little bitter towards you would be Randall, right? You know, show up when you want, you know, that kind of thing, right? That whole id type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like as early 20-somethings, this was very um, authentic as far as the style, being able to talk about how many people you slept with. Uh, what do you think about Star Wars? I can see these conversations as a young adult, you know, with um, some of my straight friends and, 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 and I'll say straight friends because some of their talk, some of their locker room talk was misogynistic. It it was, I remember. Definitely. But when they were with their girlfriend, they might've been, but a lot of times, there was a total change up. It's like when I'm hanging with the guys, this is what I talk about. But when I'm with my girlfriend, that's not even who I am. You know what I mean? Um, and so in that case, it's authentic and it's not pretty. It's definitely no, not, you're not pre- condoning pretty. 
you're saying it's authentic. Yeah, and um, the drama of relationships, too. I remember as a young adult, there was always some drama. Somebody was doing something to somebody else in the circle of friends, and there was that pushback. So we got to see that, you, you, you know, um, with Randall, you know, confronting um, Dante and saying, hey, you know, you're you're wrong in this. You know, you're not being faithful in who you're with because of what you're doing with your past flame that's unresolved you know what i mean and that end up with a um a battle so i don't know i don't know if misogyny was like the tonal part of the film or the overarching thing of the film but it definitely had a place um in reference to the 37 dicks the number counter or or whatever um that's like, you know, again, it's authentic in the sense that when you're away from, you know, your parents and you're with people who you can, you know, uh, lower your, you, 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 you know, your awareness of like what is proper speech and how should I talk and just saying what's on your mind, you know, and talking about things. And definitely that should definitely occur between a boyfriend and a girlfriend. Um, and some of the things that your partner reveals to you is not very enlightening and it brings things in question, especially as a young man and young woman, you know, and, um, this might've been the first time that Dante had to wrestle with that. He did and something he didn't know about his partner that she had had a lot of encounters, especially um, the way they set it up. I mean, yeah. they, first she was outraged. Let's let's say that. Yeah, that's important. The yeah. way it was set up, I and I will say this that at this point, and that's kind of why I put it early it as a lead-in clip is because I knew it was the point of contention of the film. Looking back at it now, but I'll say that Kevin Smith was clearly conscious of how that would strike people. Like thinking while you were talking about it, I'm thinking back and you mm -hmm. know remembering the film, and um. Yeah, she she set it up to where she was outraged first at him being having been with 12 people. So it's like a tit for tat thing, at least to kind of soften the blow. But I don't think he was straight condoning it other than like that was a it was almost like a shock value thing. If I was going to pin something on it mm -hmm. um, and later, um, he not only received pushback right then with his buddy kidding him about it or whatever, um, but I think that may have been his the thing that he was supposed to kind of overcome one of the things to kind of grow up because later on when he kind of lets him have it after the um uh, the other girl was taken away catatonic or whatever um mm -hmm. randall like really lets him have it you know it's like oh you, you i don't i don't have the clip but he's you know says something like you know you always make yourself the victim or whatever you know was his big point of that and that kind of yeah. like it was almost like an umbrella for all the things that had happened before including that like that's not something to be outraged for, bro. Kind of thing was the was the underlying thing I took away from that. Mm -hmm. So now you like it, right, Devin? <laughs> <laughs> I I liked the cat in the litter box. That part was pretty funny. <laughs> that was good, yeah. Like I said, I a lot of the go ahead. A lot of the more in like environmental comedy kind of hit for me. Like the, that's what I was gonna say. The guy who was offended by the talk of of cleaning jizz off of glass, and then he's buying glass mm -hmm. cleaner and paper towels. You know, like that kind of <laughs> stuff is just kind of like 
you know sight gags like they're meant to be just kind of in the background those those were really funny and then like almost all the stuff they talked about it was like eh. like the dialogue was cool like i liked the like kind of rapid like witty dialogue um there's another show also actually based in canada i don't know if it's a canadian thing but uh, there's a show called letter kenny that feels very inspired by this film and i, I watched the show before i watched this mm. but they they totally they even have like cutaway like scene transitions with two drug dealers who like dance in the street like it's it seems very clearly like an homage mm. um yeah but, uh, it would have been for sure yeah um yeah I, I like that kind of stuff it's just the, the fact that the subject matter like always seemed to just spiral back to you know talking down to women yeah they put hit but they put um dante through the uh inferno though as far as and that was mostly <laughs> his his point of view thing i think I think maybe that's why it didn't bother me to the point where it might have if they were like clearly condoning that, like just riding off into the sunset with the 37 joke. But I don't think they rode off into the sunset with that. Um, But I I was going to say real quick, I was going to say the thing that did work best for me, though, was those like little snippet sketches that were strung together. And I really enjoyed those parts most of all, especially the stuff that highlighted like how customers were or whatever you know the different mm-hmm. kind of strange customers and they're almost like um uh they're they were almost like the lead-ins and outs of the scenes of the film you know and then they did they'd kind of like transition with them but they were all very very well done pepe you you were going on on to something oh, i interrupted cash you want to say something okay i would just yeah i'll say this really quick well maybe it'll be, go back to what you're gonna say um but I do want to go back to the conversation that Pepe started about, you know, what is the point of the film? What what does the director writer want want to like want the the viewers to take away from this? Mm-hmm. And I think that that connects also to what Devin Devin's criticism of the film of where where is the line, you know, kind of basically where do we no, when do we as audience members know that the writer is being intentional with certain things or versus it being unintentional? And when is it also a perspective of the writer or the director versus not a perspective of the writer and director and just simply wants a reaction from the audience member? You know, um, I would like to have that conversation because I think that's an interesting um, thing that we can kind of uh, discuss about with any film, but especially with this one. My my hot take on that is that, you know, just shooting from the hip that um, it was a matter of, I think that he was kind of getting around to it. But like, and I said that when Dante got kind of his comeuppance speech from his buddy Randall, that they kind of like almost umbrellaed it and made it too general. So I don't think it was as effective as if they kind of drilled down onto that specific point. Like, and when I'm, and you guys, two of you haven't seen it as good as it gets, but at the end of the movie, it, there's a definite shift in the main character away from being an asshole. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, maybe uh, it's a matter of effectiveness. Like he, if he was a little more effective into getting to that point specifically and that shift in that character as their character arc, then maybe it would have, um, maybe it would have played better rather than, just kind of hitting on these points like, well, he's, you know, acting misogynistic. And then at the end, they're kind of like, well, you know, we'll generally deal with that, you know, in not a direct way. But uh, anybody else? Does that wash for anyone? Well, I was going to say that it seemed to me, so 
I will preface this by saying, I think that I think that you can write things, and I'm going to underscore this by saying I think this is very important that you can write things and characters and about things that you do not agree with. You just can. Yeah, you can write you characters. Yeah, you can write characters that act in ways that you do not, and that characters that hold opinions that you do not hold. Um, my not sense... only that, you should do it effectively. You should do yeah, it. Yeah, you should. I mean, it's a mark of quality, right? Towards that. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You don't want to straw um, man it. My the sense that I got in this movie is that, um, is that like Dante was sort of the Kevin Smith insert, and that he that a lot of the things coming out of that were in those dialogues were things that that Kevin Smith was probably thinking about in conversations probably. that he was having with his friends. Um, but uh, people are also allowed to like change their minds about things and learn that things are not okay to do and say, and then like get better for that um, and not, not do those things. Um, but yeah, I think I, I'm unsure what the point of this movie, this movie is so there's so many it's it's picaresque, right? It, it has so many little incidents that happen in the movie that when you get to the end of it and you try to like collate it in your mind, you're just like, okay, well, what's the what was the like th what was the meta plot, right? What was the con connecting thread? And it seemed to be this like relationship drama, yes, right? Appreciating mm -hmm. the girlfriend who loved him. Yeah, and, and that was that, and it and it's underscored by the one time silent bob speaks right when he says like look if she brings you lasagna at work she's like the one for you or whatever he says you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean like this is a i think the movie my sense was that i thought the the movie wanted us to think that these two guys were like pretty cool guys and that they were relatable and like you might want to hang out with them um but i don't know i don't know if there was I mean, Dante does have some change over the course of the movie, right? He does change his perspective a little bit. But I think that the... But the... I, I don't know. I got the sense that there wasn't any real substantial change by the end of the movie. That's they, kind of what I was getting at. Like, it didn't... Yeah. They didn't go far enough with it. Let me ask you this real quick, Devin, and continue with your point afterwards, Pepe. Real quick, though, since we're on it. If they had done that more successfully, would this then have made this a more palatable film for you? If do you mean if they had made it more clear that we are not supposed to support the the views that they have? Is that what you mean? More clear by making that a specific character arc that yeah, that Dante needs to overcome. I mean, yeah, that's that's basically like what I mean when like it can be these kinds of things can be in a movie if it's clear that that the movie is, you know, not in favor of them. If if there's some comeuppance for the character for, and like you can argue that, yeah, he gets some come up like he kind of it like kind of vaguely loses it's kind of, of these tea. women. Yeah, yeah, but it's like but both of them seem kind of fickle and like either of them could still want to date him in like an hour when they simmer down because that's kind of how the movie goes. Like they get mad at him and then they leave and they come back and they're not mad at him anymore. And so, yeah, to me, I don't know, the ending kind of felt just sort of empty. It, it kind of rang hollow and didn't seem to care about the things that it had been saying throughout the film. 
Yeah, and I, I chalked that up to him being a first-timer writer because this that's what I, if I was, you know, reading a script and giving him feedback, I would have been like, this character arc needs to be solidified a little bit Also, more. in the original, speaking of endings, in the original script, a um, shoplifter comes into the store and kills him at the end. And uh, it was shown at some film, some like early film festivals and everyone that. was like, Everyone's like, this is too sad. You can't do this. You can't end like this. And so Kevin's wow. just cut, that like, film. cut like 45 <laughs> seconds off of wow. it so that it ended See, before there you he go. does. Right? Yeah, there yeah. you go. Okay. They went with that, like that Adam Sandler movie that just came out. Holy crap. That one was crazy. Uncut um, Gems? Yeah, Uncut Gems. It's the Uncut Gems ending. Um, sorry, I feel bad, Beppe, though, because I kind of interjected, but I really wanted to know. We were like right on that point of the question I really want to know. So that, that's, that made sense, Devin. Well, I, to, I just to the other thing that I wanted to say is that I think that I think that comedy. I think Devin it, Devin's instinct is right in a certain sense that it is much easier to deal with these issues in drama than it is in comedy, because if you're dealing with these things in the realm of drama, you don't need to do it that well for to be able to pull it off, right? But if but when you do it in comedy, it has to be fucking perfect, right? When you because, say it, what do you mean specifically? Because I'm not quite well. Born. When you when you deal with issues like misogyny, race, okay. things things of that nature, right? Um, you have to do it. You have to be so expert at it uh, to make it work and to make it be good that it's incredibly hard to pull it off. As good and as it so, gets, keeps cropping up. It was such a perfect film on that front. Well, I think, but I think that's one of the problems with this movie is that the the jokes that are made at the expense of the women are just not good enough. They're not like funny enough to survive the test of time. Yeah, and I would say that because there are movies that do that and do survive movies and everything like books and plays that 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 have stuff like that in it that survive the test of time because they're so good. And I think this just hasn't, and I, I mean, this is not, this is not, it's so hard to do that. I, I want to stress it. Like him failing at doing that just means that he, and this first movie that he ever made, isn't like one of the best filmmakers of all time. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that it's not, it's not a big knock against him, but I think that's a big part of it mm -hmm. is that, I mean, like that whole ending sequence to me was just like horrifying, but it was played for, but I assumed it was being played for laughs when mm -hmm. she finds out that she's having sex with this dead man. Mm -hmm. I didn't find that to be particularly funny at all. I, I, I found it to be pretty horrifying. I, <laughs> no, I, it was horrifying. I, I took yeah. it as Jim. funny. It was outrageous. Yeah, yeah, I, it was I, so yeah. outrageous having sex with a corpse. And of course you would be catatonic. You know, I would be. Like, if you take a second, uh, a step back and think about it, yeah, that's horrible. That's gross. But, you know, made for laughs. I don't know. I thought it was funny. But to add to your point, Pepe, I, 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 can, I can definitely see that because George Carlin really crystallized this aspect that you're supposed to punch up, right? You're not supposed to punch down. And when you do punch down, there's a certain wrongness to it straight away, right? But how do you, how do you, I don't know. 
because there's also this should you right so when you make jokes that are misogynistic or you know banter that two characters are talking about that is misogynistic like how do you how do you do that you know how do you handle that do you not talk about those kind of things at all do you not make those jokes which there's an argument for that right but i don't know where that would land and yeah you would have to be very nuanced and very perfect and i think even then yeah. with nuance and perfection you wouldn't have all the audience you would have people that were offended yeah, yeah. And that, it, absolutely and it goes it goes back to uh, you know discussion that Devin and i have brought up about like when is something a satire or a parody and like mm -hmm. how can you distinguish it as someone who's viewing it and all of that and i think that comedy you know to also go back to what Devin was saying about this film versus like a drama like you do it's so much harder to let things go when it's comedic um, because of the fact that it's much it's because it's harder to distinguish whether or not they're being serious about what they're saying or, you know, or if it's just a joke. Um, and yeah, I think that whole conversation is something that's been brought up also more recently, not more recently, but just in the past few years with comedians and what they're able to say and what is okay for them mm -hmm. to say and what's not okay for them to say and what are they you know what are jokes that is further promoting those perspectives that are the follow underneath those isms versus yeah. or is it just a joke um it's i think it's complicated and like what jim was saying too it's um even when you are super meticulous and very intentional you're still going to get you know both sides reaction to a lot of those kind of jokes yeah because yeah there's just not it's not an easy way yeah and you know though i will admit that those parts of the film aged most poorly for me um next to the audio because that was just wow but um <laughs> no but those but those parts like i i didn't come away like really laughing about what happened to her i i remember thinking like back when i first watched it like yeah th that was probably like oh that's kind of crazy but the reality of that is so horrifying too um almost a yeah. twilight zone-esque or black mirror kind of yeah. way yeah, right. uh, but it's also outrageous it is it's also they, it's, so it's, outrageous yeah, it they say when you make a film it had better be like the most important night of whatever that's about or why are you showing it Right. And this would definitely be a day to remember at this little store. Yeah. So I thought it was effective in that way, but I didn't laugh at that part. Let me play the mm. clip because, and you know, just so the listeners can, can get some kind of grounding if they haven't watched it recently. And it's not the full clip. She goes on and becomes more horrified. And the word rape is thrown out there. Like we got to call yeah. 911. I did. It was yeah. a long clip, but I got a chunk of yeah. it. You dog, I didn't even see you go back there. And the fact that there weren't any lights on made it so. God, that was so great. <laughs> My legs are still shaking. It wasn't me. You're right. Who was it then, Randall? Was it you? I was up here the whole time. You know, I was just thinking, listening back to that, that maybe if her character also was made to be more villainous, and more manipulative and not so like kind of low key and then kind of charming that maybe like that comeuppance would be more deserved, right? Like she didn't yeah, earn that yeah. kind of level of comeuppance from what I got 
But I also want to say that I don't blame Kevin Smith for taking a crack at this either. Like, I see where he was kind of yeah. going with it. It was the first film. He got better at this kind of stuff, um, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that... I don't think that that scene doesn't work on the level of principle in the sense that like mm -hmm. no one should have made a scene like that for laughs. I just don't think he pulls it off. He's just not, yep. I don't think he's good enough in that particular instance to pull that off. That's what I would say about it. Yeah. It was big enough in the aspect of it being like, that's wild, you know, that's yeah, crazy. Right. But um, if it was going purely for like laughs or like to, finish her arc as a as a villain in the story or whatever it didn't quite play she didn't play as a, as the villain to me kind of like you know ed pegram was definitely the villain last week in uh nebraska it never even crossed my mind that that was the point of that that that, that was like her her getting her no not at all the villain yeah. in that movie only in retrospect now talking about it and thinking yeah. about it in structural terms am i like she's the villain but it yeah. wasn't that clear uh, he did get better at this, of course. If you Mallrats comes to mind, mm -hmm. like he was very much better at, at at casting who was the good guy and bad guy in that one. Yeah, I didn't see her as a villain either. It, <clears throat> she definitely was a complex character because you see her now, but you hear about her then and how he, hor you know, she horribly cheated on him with a bunch of people. Like mm -hmm. that's that's not a great thing, you know. And no, broke up with them. Yeah. Left him devastated. Yeah, and then even while they were going together, she was just sleeping with a bunch of people. Um, so it's it's definitely nuanced in the uh, form that she's coming and she's you know she's troubled and her mom's pressuring her, you know, in some way because she really likes this you know this um, Asian art major or whatever, um, fashion Asian bash something something like that. Um, designer? I forget too. Yeah, it seemed really design. impressive Asian in the nineties. It was like design. a very yeah. It was a very impressive thing in the nineties. Apparently, I don't remember that being a thing at all. Yeah, there were firms it, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> that paid something. a lot of money. In, in the aughts, it would have been a startup, you know, before the the uh, there you, you go know, dot yeah. Let's uh, translate bust. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, so she wasn't like a saint, but she wasn't a bad person either. She definitely didn't deserve like sleeping with a corpse. Like if you're looking at the reality of it, but with the, you know, and it reminded me too, cause they, he, Randall was watching the, um, her, her, her maphrodic porn. So yeah, wa watching Jesus. that and then having that happen, just everything together. I was just, I don't know. Uh, I do have some schadenfreude in, in me. I will admit that. And knowing it's uh, yes, not real, we know this from playing. You know, it's, right. Yeah, yeah. it's not real. You know, Captain. it's a movie, so I don't know. I thought it was. Funny. No, I mean, I'm not. I'm not above finding shit like that funny either. I just do. I just don't think he pulled it off. Yeah, I get you. Mm -hmm. I, I think it was a bit also. Rough. I think That's also cool. the sort of coding and then you know coding of her as a villain and like and like you know, wanting us to kind of not like her because of what she's done is also sort of misogynistic in a way, because in, in this yeah. film, in the, in the events of this film, she is doing nothing wrong. She has left her fiance. She has broken up to get together with another guy. 
he's the one who's been cheating. He's the one who's been yeah. calling her yeah. while he's in a relationship, mm-hmm. who is like actively ready to go on a date with her while he's in a relationship. Like he is the one act- we're watching him commit, you know, immoral acts on screen. And yet she is still coded as the villain and is the one who's yeah. punished at the end and, yep. you know, really gets the most comeuppance of the film, um, which is again, like another kind of subversive misogynistic thing. And it wasn't even, um, it, it wasn't even Dante who came around on it. It was, um, Randall, who was the catalyst of that coming to a head by telling the other girl, like doing, he did the right thing, right? It wasn't like Dante, like, man, I really need to like fess mm-hmm. up here or whatever. And also the other girl, Veronica, was like, even though she was angry at him and like physically kicking him, she kept calling the other, the woman, the other woman, Chris, Christina, is that her name? Um, a whore and the slut and it was still putting the blame on her instead of it being which i never understand i never understand why women mm-hmm. put the other blame on the other woman when it's your boyfriend who's in a committed relationship with you yeah um, oh my god i have something for this yeah um doing the cheating so it i mean which again it speaks on the society we live in and all yep. that stuff but um but yeah it further you know uh make devin's point that it is also still blaming that the woman at the end for that too mm. and i even, didn't see all that but i still was i kind of was able to overlook it for the reasons i laid out i saw a clip on reddit like just yesterday that's perfect for this cat there's like three uh, women out on the town or whatever and a guy was there interviewing them and he's like i guess it's for a channel you guys maybe you know this guy it was the first time i'd seen him but he was like asking, he's like, hey, why don't we um, give, give me your phone. We'll have your friend call your boyfriend and pretend like you want to hook up with him. And we'll give him like a, a test. And she's like, okay, well, I trust them. Yeah. So the friend calls up the boyfriend, the two other friends are like, hey, pick us up. And we, but don't tell, you know, whatever her name is, you know, don't tell her. He's like, yeah, 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 fine. She got so, the girl the, whose boyfriend it was just doing this got so mad at her friend. She just was not mad at her boyfriend at all. Just mad at the friends. Like, how could you do that? You like betrayed me. They're like, wait, did you not understand the point of this? We were testing him. But yeah. she still was like incensed at them, which I thought was like just shocking, you know? So that's, it, I guess that's still a thing. Is that a part of like the toxic masculinity in our society that affects women or what? What is that wonder. when you blame another woman, but you're not going to blame your partner because it takes two? I mean, I, that, saw, uh, well, I was going to say, that's the thing, like, especially today, the target, the, like the biggest target for misogynistic views is is women like that is that they're trying to turn women against women because, you know, like so much of of our media and like all of our public images of any kind are controlled by men and men just want to turn women against women because they want more misogynists in the world. They just want more of themselves. So like, if we can turn the women against each other, they'll agree with us that women are garbage. Like, you know, it's, it's not so, conscious. It's just like, it's, it's this subconscious belief that women are less that is, that is yeah. coded into just everything. And Whatever because it's it coded is, into everything, everyone picks up on it, including women. Clearly it's working because I was like totally shocked. She was like that, like ended that, friendship like right there on camera and it was just mm-hmm. for like you even the host was like well wait a second like no no yeah. the, him you know and she would not hear it it was like her friends yeah. did, the, did the bad thing mm. i did actually watch that video so i know which one you're talking about oh you did um, okay yeah 
Um, and that was like, no way, this must be a skit. Um, but no, oh, I maybe think, it I mean, was. I, think yeah. it, I overlooked that. Uh, no, no, I think it it was real. No, I, I don't think it was a skit at all. Um, it seemed real to but me. It, yeah. it seemed so exaggerated that I thought about that. But mm-hmm. to go back to your point, Jim, um, it's not toxic masculinity. That's mm-hmm. not I, that's not the term. It's more like it's just the it's the outcome of a patriarchal society. It's the outcome of like what Devin was saying about in a patriarchy, you have certain ideals that not only actually are harmful for men too, because we also have very, again, toxic masculinity mm-hmm. being one of sure. them, um, where, you know, men have to be aggressive, have to be violent, mm-hmm. show emotions, you yeah. know, those kind of stereotypical versions of what men should be that are also harmful for men. Um, but at, in the other end, obviously, is having you know, very negative perspectives of women that's not only ingrained in men, but it's ingrained in mm-hmm. women for other women. Sure. So it's it's ingrained to view women as competition versus as someone that you align with or that you are in support of. And that's a huge part of even like myself, like the high school friends I have or the high school people I knew versus educated college educated women the huge difference i have between those two friend groups is the one in high school is more is based off of competition with one another and the one the the ones in in college and who have had this education and understand this there's so much more alliance and friendship in it mm-hmm. and supportness because of yeah. being like oh shoot we've been taught to compete with one another and why are we doing that mm-hmm. when that we're not we're not each other's enemy i'm not saying there's really a specific enemy but that was yeah. true definitely my, not. I, it's not I one another i'll say that and i don't know how that keys in on this or not but um yeah um that's that's a um a difference there with those two groups now that i'm thinking back it was very much more competition based and kind of toxic in a lot of ways and i'm not speaking for your group but in in mine there was some very toxic behavior but I think maybe I attribute some of that to just being young as well. Um, however, I'm not taking away from the fact that this stuff is coded into our society um, mm. and is clearly very effective. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's not just gender too. It's a common thing, especially in America, the idea of turning, you know, turning the the minorities against each other, both like mm-hmm. they do it within racial minorities. The idea, yeah. there was a whole idea propagated in like the sixties and seventies of the model minority and uh, like the idea mm-hmm. of like uh, uh, Asians in particular were like touted as the model minority. And it was like an early form of this thing where they wanted to like turn them against each other that like by, by selling them the lie that any, any person of any color could achieve success, then they, any, any person of color who did achieve success would then just be vilified by their own people. And, and it created, you know, as long as they're battling each other, they won't come after us was the idea. And the same thing with, you know, with, uh, uh, income inequality like the the upper lower class is fighting the lower lower class and it's like yeah. and, you know one yeah. of them thinks they're the upper class but they're like you know they they have 0.00001 percent of the wealth of the actual exactly class. um but they're so busy fighting each other they don't turn their eyes people to the with a little bit of problem. money tend to place themselves higher on that scale than they realize and i think that plays against everyone else too mm-hmm. i wonder how conscious this is or if this is just how our society is evolved i'm being uh, specific to america that like is there a man behind the curtain like you know pulling the strings on this stuff and it's like oh, i want to 
pit them against each other, or is that just kind of like arisen uh, from just natural mech mechanisms of how our societies runs or has evolved? I, I mean, it's definitely like it's an ideology, and so it's kind of ingrained with everyone, and so in some way we all enable it, um, mm -hmm. which is why you know being aware of these things is what is, is so important. And it, obviously, important. I think it's it's great that we're having so much of this, these kind of conversations. And I was also going to say, I also think that even like my sis, my younger sister who's in high school currently, like, I think the perspectives on all this stuff is very different than when it, when I went to high school, not too long ago, because yep. they are, they have, they're growing up with terms that I didn't even have in high school, it's you know? Um, and that, that is changing the dialogue in many ways. That's good that hope. Yeah. No, that is, that's great. I, I love hearing that. Anyone else have something to add to this before I move on to some lighter fare? We've all said our piece. Okay. Um, filmmaking time. Um, the casket scene that never was. That was such a clever way to save time and money. You show them going in the door. You show them coming out. You talk about it afterwards. That's mm -hmm. still used a lot of times in animation even. Because who wants to animate some crazy crap like that when you can just, you know, blurb it out in dialogue and it works just as well. Sure. I'll play that clip. It was pretty funny. It was an accident. Like someone knocks a casket over on purpose? So the casket fell over. Big deal. Her fucking body fell out. So put her back in it. It's not like it matters if she breaks something. <sighs> just go. Just go open the video store. Yeah, open the video store. Shut the fuck up, junkie. Just, just go open the video store. Yeah, you cock-smoking clerk. And how many times have I told you not to be dealing in front of the store? I'm not dealing, man. What are you talking about? Yo, you got anything, man? Yeah, man, what you want, man? It was so like how drug dealer pot dealers were back in the 90s. I knew guys that would do that very thing, like stand out in front of a convenience store or whatever, like in other groups. Man, you really do the Jay and Son of Bob thing. That's a real thing. But uh, yeah, as a filmmaking thing to save time and money, that that was I noted that was pretty good. Um, yeah, I've been, yeah, go ahead. Go I ahead. was going to say to, to that regard, I've been watching a lot of Doctor Who, and that's a show where they they cut budget any way they possibly can. Uh, and, you know, I love the show, but they definitely cut a lot. And uh, sure. one of the things they do, like every other episode, is they have like an extended flashback sequence because the idea of a flashback if you if you start in the middle of a in media res in like the middle of an action scene and then you use flashbacks to explain how they got there you can show like two second clips of like various things happening whereas if you tried to tell yep. a story in two second clips linearly it wouldn't make any sense but you can do it in flashbacks and it's you know way cheaper obviously to film. you know a yeah. lot of that stuff comes from very astute producers and that's one of the things they can contribute to your film uh, to a writer or and or director and they'll be like why don't you do it this way because you're going to save everyone time and money you can use that money elsewhere get a nicer camera get better film stock whatever get some more takes on some other scenes and it will be just as effective and maybe even more effective because it's clever right and people appreciate that um yeah. so yeah i love seeing stuff like that and the other kind of stuff that you were talking about too devin though, those little low-key jokes that were like visual and played out uh, clearly there was something there and we've seen that um play out through the rest of kevin smith's career and continues to he's you know he's got clerks three coming out he just did the he-man series on netflix which i'm currently watching oh um, that was him that's kevin smith yeah oh wow you, are you watching that as well jim 
<clears throat> no, um, I've seen some of my friends like talk really highly of it. And no, I was a He-Man nerd too. I had the action yeah, figures and mm-hmm. all of that. So I, I will watch it. Yeah. Yeah, it's very good nostalgia stuff for me. Num, 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 num. Yeah, they did a good job. Exactly. That was, that was going to be my just one more thing. So maybe I'll just nice. talk, tell people to watch it or whatever. But um, here's uh, the most important uh, clip of the day. <laughs> I can never reach. Reach what? You know, what, your dick? Yeah, like you said, I guess everybody gets curious and tries it sometime. <laughs> I never tried it. <laughs> Fucking pervert. <laughs> the setup and the way that played out was one of the best parts in the film. He totally set him up for that, right? And and fished him. Yeah, so great. And 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 that's reminiscent of friends that would do that too to engage in their own Schadenfreude. You know. (laughs) Yeah. How can we fish in on this? (laughs) So funny. (laughs) All right. Do I have any other clips? Yeah. Here's some basic, like the basic, like customer kind of stuff that you'd hear from, like. Oh, like the trailer for the movie, you might see this in it. It's one of the only... Oh, no, he curses. It was so hard to find clips without cursing on this one. It was just all over the place, but I didn't... Yeah. I also didn't, like, really notice it when I was watching it, because it was also authentic to the characters. It didn't stand out like they were trying to get overly, you know, nasty with the language. One of the trivia facts was that the F word is in the film, like, 91 times, I think. Wow. Yeah, I I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. So it may even be in this clip, but this is one of the cleaner clips, if I remember correctly. Probably like five times he says the F word. Everybody that comes in here is way too uptight. This job would be great if it wasn't for the fucking customers. Jesus, I'm going to hear from the boss tomorrow. Oh, would you loosen up? You'd feel a hell of a lot better if you just rip into the occasional customer. Okay, so he did say it. My bad. Yeah, I wonder what they used for the trailer. Salsa shark, I guess. That was that was just low Salsa funny. shark. This is so weird. Yeah. It was one of those visual things that worked. Salsa shark. <laughs> Any other standout moments, uh, good or bad, that you guys want to call out um, before we uh, just grade this sucker? Well, just having worked in customer service, I can definitely, um, you know, uh, identify with, yeah, pe- people are way too uptight. But there's been certain times where I'm not feeling it. I'm probably pretty uptight myself, so... Dude, it never, it it always boggles my mind. And maybe it's a, well, I was going to say it's a generational thing, but I don't think it is. But like, why, why does anyone go into a place and get mad at the dude who, or the right. person who's working there, right? Yes. Like, happens like all the time. You, though, yeah. Like, when you were working at your shitty job, you didn't like it when the customers fucking ripped you a new one. So why are you doing it to them? You know, yeah. just don't, just don't. People who are born with a silver spoon in their mouths are the worst, though, because they really don't have any direct sympathy for for that type of thing. Um, but yeah, plenty of people who yeah. do. And if I get mad at like a corporation, even in like I'm talking to a customer service person, I'm like, look, I know this isn't you, but I need to work through this, you know, please advocate yeah. for me here. That's much more effective than just like, you know grilling them or 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 you know lashing out or whatever but that happens yeah. all the time you see it all the time so totally happens Another... no no go ahead you're you're on topic i'm not um i was just gonna say and 
just real quick that if you're nice to people in customer service, they will go more out of their way to help you. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, yes. it's so much easier if you are nicer to them that they will actually try to advocate for you versus yes. if you're mean to them, they're not. They're going to do everything to make it more frustrating for you. So, yes. so there was a thing in the 80s and it coupled with the customer is always right, which in a bubble, that's a good tactic to have, right? Support the customer. <clears throat> but there is a certain school of thought that if you are just a total asshole, you'll get your way because of that customer always right. You know, it kind of coupled with it. And so there's yeah. a certain philosophy that some people are terrible and they do, they get a lot of free stuff. Unfortunately, they're rewarded in a, in a lot of times because That's probably something that, yeah, right. Like Pavlovian well, even, right. Well, You're just well, like, okay, well maybe being an asshole is the way to go. Yeah. Well, even as a man, <clears throat> when I was a manager at KFC, and we went mm -hmm. to like management classes and stuff like that, which was pretty cool for fast food. But mm -hmm. they would say, you know, you do not want to argue with the customer because even if you are clearly in the right, what is mm -hmm. the audience going to think? And in this case, the audience are other customers standing in line. And the longer mm -hmm. you're there arguing, you paint yourself in the worst light. So you just want to get them out and get them out of there. Even if you feel like somebody is trying to, broad you over some you know free food just give it to them because they even rolled out the st statistics the majority of people are actually um you know telling the truth they to their collection they've had a bad experience or they're missing something or their stuff is made wrong just remake it give it to them get them out of there you know and so people know that you know us as customers yeah. we're savvy yeah. so there's a certain line of thought to just be be a dick be an asshole and, and that's unfortunate because it adds extra stress to the people that have the least amount of control over the corporate structure, right? The mechanisms. And in that respect, I think this movie is very timely showing the ills of customer service because there are people leaving the service industry in droves, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? Two, two things. Uh, and uh, well, maybe three things. Also, some people are just abusive shits, and um, it just all it does. When they go off like that, it reflects more on them than it does on you, and you don't want to get down to their level. That's right. As a representative of the company. Second, um, business wars. Uh, KFC versus Chick Fil A is one of the best business wars episode I heard yet. So, Jim, you may want to check that out. Having worked for the company, it's fascinating. What, what is this again? Insane. Uh, it's a podcast called Business Wars. Uh -huh. um, I've touted it before and it's, yes. um, even if you're not into business, it's fascinating to see how these mega companies like started so small and like almost plinkoed their way to success and you know, they, make, they make good choices and stuff, but you know, how they grew to be so gargantuan and Colonel Sanders was an absolutely insane person. Um, and his story is absolutely fascinating. Uh, so I highly yeah. recommend checking that out, having worked for them. Thank, thank you. We got a little bit of that, obviously, the glowing side of who Colonel Sanders was, but um, our company toted uh, Pete Harmon because uh, mm -hmm. they said that Pete Harmon was a business guy. He was the guy that had the do drop in and the colonel yep. was a traveling salesman and Pete Harmon was the, the business guy and That's the right. visionary. Right. Like, like Roy yeah. Crockett McDonald's. 
Yes. Or Ray Kroc. Exactly. Ray Kroc. He was the Ray mm-hmm. Kroc, yeah. Colonel Sanders yeah. was more like a spokesperson, um, but he like started it off and then the other fella turned it into an actual business that he yes. franchised. Um, yeah. But he was always, Colonel Sanders, while living, was always kind of a thorn in the company's side, to be honest. And people, yeah. uh, people were shot and killed in his story. So I'll just leave that as kind of a salt. Oh, wow. A little bit of salt. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, he came up in a very different time. Yeah. Um, and uh, people were shot and killed in this podcast. So in the, in the true story, but the podcast covers it. Yeah, very fascinating stuff. But um, yeah, as far as like the effectiveness of of customers doing that, uh, I'm I'm too afraid to push people in the food industry who are handling stuff I'm going to be ingesting. So I'm overly polite. Well, and that, I highly that, recommend other people take my advice on that and not that, fuck with the people making your food. That's also a joke. You don't you don't start riding people until after you have your food in your hand. There you go. But, you yeah. know, if they're smart, yeah, yeah. you'd be surprised. Yeah. I'd just be like, uh, you're just setting yourself up for a bad time. <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, let's, uh, that said, uh, yeah, clerks. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's, uh, let's get back to thinking about grades. Uh, but uh, <laughs> before we do that, uh, while you guys are tallying what you're going to grade this thing, uh, there may be time for. And now a word from our sponsors. Sick of the overwhelming choice in streaming content? Do you miss the insulting brand of customer service that only can be administered by a smug 20-something clerk? Got room in your wallet for yet another $9.99 monthly subscription fee? Then maybe you can subscribe to Randall Flicks. We've got, like, some movies and stuff. Watch one of them or whatever. Side effects include reading your news from a newspaper, buying weed from two shady stoners in front of a convenience store instead of at a dispensary, and going to a live nudie booth instead of getting your porn from the internet like a normal person. Disclaimers, Randall Flicks isn't quite up and running yet, bro. We'll get to it probably in like two weeks or something. Randall doesn't use Randall Flicks to watch movies. Randall rents movies from Big Choice. Randall Flicks would be great if it wasn't for the customers. <laughs> yeah. dude um, i remember I, I i thought to myself like is he is he really reading a newspaper is that what he's doing <laughs> that's also what i was like damn that's in bygone era even cigarettes are kind of bygone like people yeah smoke way yeah. less now and it's more about vaping right I just can't imagine what news is that man, like, is that character interested in? What the fuck article is he reading in the newspaper? <laughs> he was like, he was a complex character. I yeah. guess so. Yeah. He's he was a Dawson's Creek type of character. Yeah. <laughs> All right, gang. Poetry. Yeah, poetry. Time to submit our final grades and tally the GPA. So I will kick it off and uh, with a boring B because uh, although some things uh, I keep giving things Bs, I don't know. Uh, um, it just seems right for this film as well. Uh, it's rough and it aged well. Uh, mostly uh, some of the stuff um, obviously is like now what? Oh God, how long has it been? At least 30 years or something since this movie came out, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, but overall, I think it uh, did pretty well, and I enjoyed watching it again. And um, 
I it was nice to see again because of the stuff that I'd forgotten over since the time I had first watched it. So it was a, a welcome rewatch in my case. So I'll go with a B for Mr. Kevin Smith's Clerks. But uh, Kat, I'm very curious to hear what you graded Clerks. Um, I'm really in between B minus and a C plus. I like mm-hmm. this film. I'm, I'm, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I watched it. But I think the fact that I'm not really sure what the point of the film was, and I don't really feel like the ending was very great, and it could have been. Like, I think it had a very much potential that had the ending been different, that it, I would have thought this would have maybe got a better point of this film and would have enjoyed it for that more. Um, but because I, I, it did really resonate with me as, as a student um, working in production crews with other peers my age, um, it was very nostalgic in that sense. Um, yeah. And I did, and like I said, I, I did genuinely enjoy what they had to say and I found it funny as well. So I will tentatively give it a B minus. I think that's fair outside of cultural relevance and uh, nostalgia not being as big of a factor. Yeah. Um, but I'm super duper curious about what Devin thinks. Yes. So, I mean, looking at, looking at this film in a, in a sort of bubble, as I kind of try to look at, or in a vacuum, I guess, as I kind of try to look at all of the films, like not taking into consideration that it's his, like his first film or that he like became better at this later, like just this film as it stands completely alone um, I think had a lot of charm, had a, like a, quite a number of jokes that made me laugh um, and like had a good skeleton there. It's just that core concept that, I, you know, I won't belabor it, but just brought it down for me. I think I'm going to go with the C plus on this. I think there was stuff to enjoy in there. It wasn't totally all bad, but I think that there was a sort of Paul cast over the whole thing. Sure, sure. I could see that. And yeah, I think you're right about the bones being there. I think it showed... And I think that this is what a lot of the studio execs took away when they saw it. They think they it showed a lot of promise that was then fulfilled uh, yeah. after this film. Yeah, there's a reason it launched a career. I, I understand Absolutely. how this film could launch a yeah. career. Absolutely. Cool. A C plus then. Okay, and James Pepe. Yeah, you know, man, I've been thinking about this a lot. I think that... Um, I think that this movie was a trendsetter and Mm -hmm. now coming back to it, it seems, it seems like, um, I don't know. It seems it's not as innovative as it probably was at the time. Right. Like I think at the time this movie would have been like probably the raunchiest movie you'd ever seen. Like this would be like shocking shit, you know, (laughs) but it's just not anymore. It doesn't have that edge anymore. Um, I I remembered the movie didn't live up to my memory of it. Um but there is some good stuff in it. There's some funny jokes in it. There's some good uh you know conversations in it. Um but yeah, I it just didn't land for me. So I think I'm going to give it a B minus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll buy that. I'll buy that for a dollar. Yeah, there was, uh, it was, it was supposed, it was at the time much more shocking than it comes across now. Yeah. I remember feeling that way too. Like, holy crap, did you see this thing? Like, they go there, man. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was one of those, you gotta, you gotta see this 
kind of passed along from person to person type of movies. Well, yeah, I mean, especially like if this is like for me, uh, this was probably a movie that I saw when I was like 15 mm-hmm. and like just starting to like drill down into movies. Right. So right. like you, you would see this movie before you would see, I don't know, like some other movie that like blows this out of the water, but was made before it or, you know, something that's just like wild, like some, I don't know, like Ricky O or something like just some fucking movie you've never heard of, but it's just like, wow. Okay. I, there I've like this movie doesn't hold a candle to some of these other movies, but mm-hmm. you know, I don't know which one came first, but did are you saying that? Let's just see if I'm understanding. Are you saying that Clerks may have opened the door for? I haven't seen the other film you're referencing. Did it oh, open no, the door I for just that? Mean like, one... I just mean that like this is this is a movie that like is a gateway movie to like other movies, right? I that see. might be yeah. that might be that might be pushing the line even more, even further than this one is. Right. Even though they might've come uh, before it. I see. Okay. So you as a viewer would then lead into these other areas. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. This was like the pencil shavings, marijuana joint, uh, that led you into trying some more hardcore shit down the road. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. This is, it is the, it is the gateway movie. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, and gentlemen, Jim Scott, you get to submit the final grade, sir. Yeah, um, I'm going to give this movie a B. Um, mm-hmm. I I remember, you you know, the nostalgia is an, an an interesting thing because because I remember being you know very young and being so excited, you know, when I read about this movie in the newspaper, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then you know watching the movie and being oh man, this is so funny, yet you know. And now, twenty something years later, and it's just it's just different. I mean, there were a lot of jokes. I was entertained; like I wasn't mm-hmm. bored by the movie. It still had the right. entertaining value, but it had lost a little a little bit of the luster just because you know now we have more media and and some media that has done it better. But mm-hmm. this was a springboard, and it, it was, was kind of like the first of its kind. Um, when it was produced um so uh yeah a, a b yeah it's hard to overlook those things especially being a filmmaker now and it's like there there's a certain charm to it even now that i find even more appealing now than i did back then because yeah. i remember thinking wow this is pretty rough and it is it's a rough mm-hmm. film but it works but now, like knowing the behind the scenes stuff, there's sort of more of a, an appeal to it in that sense. And I think Kat was kind of speaking to that as well. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but there is a sort of filmmakery appeal to it that I cannot just escape. You know, I find it charming yeah. just on that alone. So, so in that respect, just a quick question: <clears throat> Would you guys, now that you guys have seen, you know, the first Clerks, are you know, we're kind of reliving this whole line of movies? Would you guys mm-hmm. be interested in seeing Clerks three, um, and see what you know now that he's you know projected in, in, into his career at this point? What would be interesting, you know, and how would he would take that movie? You know, that's a great question because it's and it's timely because Clerks mm-hmm. three is coming. Um, I don't even remember Clerks 2, so I'll have to watch that one again. But I will say this yeah. primed me to revisit some of his earlier works, which I do intend to do. Mm-hmm. 
just speaking for myself, but anyone else jump on in. It would it'd be interesting to see a more modern adaption of this film. Uh, because I do like uh, what Ben was just saying. I do think it's relevant. Um, so um, I, I would be interested in watching it just to see, yeah, what would be his modern take. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, if I'm not mistaken, an, about roughly the same amount of time passed between Clerks 1 and 2 as, as 2 and 3, so they're big jumps in time. Mm. It almost reminds me of like the Before Sunrise and movies, if you guys have seen those, um, by another great filmmaker um, uh, whose name is escaping me, the guy from Texas who made uh, Dazed and Confused and such. Um, they they shot these movies uh, like 10 years in between, and there's like three of them. So uh, hmm. it's interesting to see how these characters age and they're going to play the same characters again. So I am ready to revisit that. Uh, what is it called again? The Askewverse. Yeah, I, I think I'm primed to to get back in there. So would that did that come into any kind of uh, uh, reasoning or, or or whatever for you picking this, Jim? That knowing mm-hmm. that that Clerks Three was coming out, or is it just mm-hmm. happenstance? No, I wasn't aware. <clears throat> I wasn't aware until later. Um, uh, I think I seen something on um, Facebook, or I seen something somewhere online that they were doing Clerks Three. Um, yeah, welcome surprise then. Interesting. Yeah. Well, um, so Devin, have we given you enough time to calculate <laughs> the GPA? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it uh, comes out to an unsurprising B minus average because almost all of us said B minus, um, mm-hmm. two point seven four, which makes it just a hair worse than Willow by our by our rating system. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I like another movie that. I picked. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah, very good. Okay, so um, yeah, I think that's about where I where I thought it would end and end up, and so but uh, the discussion as always was an A. A plus plus plus. Good job, guys. Um, and a lot of this stuff I was very curious about and very um, uh, very satisfied with uh, how we covered it and and what came out of our conversation. So good job. Uh, we have reached the time to roll for next episode. Um, and whose turn is it to roll? I believe it's Pepe's. Do you have Pepe. a coin, Pepe? We are to you. Only Pepe. two left. Do you have a coin or something to flip? Other than your lid. He's searching. I'm going to bring up the uh, submission. In the the spirit of in the spirit of of rolling dice, I'm going to flip this Magic the Gathering (laughs) black mana card. It's heavy. It's heavy enough to flip. It'll flip. Yeah, it's in a little. Do we have a heads and tails? It's in a sleeve. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, no. This will be this will be heads. This will be heads. Yeah, card up. This will be tails. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right, here we go. We'll see what we're going to watch next. And I started with a dice. Let's try again. All right, what do we end up with? Uh, it is Tails. Which translates up on to the blue side. Two. two. We've been doing heads. Yeah, so. we're doing heads, one, tails, two, typically. Yeah, I thought so. Okay, always so to call it. that said... <laughs> We are watching a movie called November, which came out in 2017, uh, which is another contemporary black and white movie. Interesting. 
uh, directed by Rainer Sarnet, and it is streaming on Canopy and Voodoo. So November, cue that up for next week's show. Looking forward to that. That'll be uh, Series 3, Episode 4, so go, bumping right along. I think this is our 13th episode as well. Uh, speaking uh, yeah. of which, yeah, 13, um, lucky 13. And also tune in next week for us, uh, for, for our choosing of next uh, yes, series. Yes, the choosing. Yeah, the great in choosing. Yes, I get to use my uh, Jeopardy sound bites. That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that'll serve for show announcements. Fan emails, you can write to ben at redhenmedia.com and we may respond on the show. So uh, that about wraps things up, guys. How dare he? This better be about oh, no. uh, returning my lawnmower he borrowed. Just one more thing. Do you have the lawnmower, Columbo? You don't. Do you mean the you? air compressor? You mean oh, the yeah, compressor? there you go. That's, that's even better. <laughs> I'm never getting that air compressor back. <laughs> you <would> never. <laughs> so it's time for uh, just one more thing. Lieutenant Columbo says we have time for a Twitter-length uh, uh, Twitter um, summary of something that we want to uh, share that's from outside of the show theme. So I've kind of already used mine up uh, during the show, so I'll just uh, skip that and go right to Kat. What do you have for us this week uh, on Just One More Thing? Oh, ben, Kevin. I am curious what you thought of Inside, since you mentioned that you finally watched it. Oh, that's a good one for that. me to say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going off on that yesterday in the uh, when we were streaming uh, in the chat. I was kind of telling uh, Pepe what I thought of it. Um, so refer to that for like the deep dive, because I, I spend a, a good deal of the time talking about it. Um, I thought it was uh, brilliant in that he was what he was able to squeeze out of one room felt like an expansive universe and also a uh, uh, what's the word when you're claustrophobic. It also felt claustrophobic. Um, and it was also a very good um, summary of what overthinking kind of the paths that overthinking can lead you down. Um, and very funny and very clever, and clearly he's a genius. I was, I came away from it feeling a bit concerned about him, uh, to be honest. I was, you know, that's that's kind of the takeaway at the end. But clearly, very brilliant. And I really enjoyed watching how the complexity of the stuff he was doing evolved over the time. You could watch kind of his beard grow and his hair grow, and the music got better and better and more evolved and obviously he was ordering more like sound gear and more lighting gear and and the shots got more complex and rich as he went along and um i was particularly it was an earlier on skit but i really enjoyed the the clip that uh, the sketch that um jim called out last week about uh is this heaven or a white woman's instagram i thought that was very great yeah, so overall you gotta see ones. it if you haven't seen it go see yeah. it uh, it's what one person can do in one room during uh, being basically trapped in there like a prison uh, is fascinating. What did you guys think? Uh, I mean, I, I love it. I've always loved Bo Burnham. And this okay. this it, was my first Bo was, Burnham thing, too. So. Yeah, I've been following him since he was like a YouTube kid when he was like 15 making mm -hmm. videos out of his uh, like attic. And mm -hmm. uh, 
this was so reminiscent of that because it was just him in a room and like it felt so much like a return it's almost to a his... return to form for him exactly then. yeah okay. so it was kind okay. of surreal in that sense because it's it's so much like his adolescence but also like so mature and so like tackling things that were definitely not the kinds of things he talked about when he was doing comedy in his his room so it's, it was really interesting yeah i loved it it also reminded me of something else i said that over being someone who kind of tends to overanalyze sometimes i literally like this was a reminded me of myself in those ways um but obviously was much more fleshed out but uh it reminds me that sometimes when i do that i literally have to like snap myself out of it and be like stop this is like mentally not healthy this like path you're going on you know put the brakes mm -hmm. on take a breath go outside oh yeah speaking of which jim follow up go on the take yourself out on a date i bought some yeah. kites and went out and flew some kites there the you go and uh that was so much more fun than i suspected yes. it might be yeah so much fun That's and i actually up, had a uh oh it was, it was great and it was also the opposite of overthinking <clears throat> you just kind of like it was almost meditative in in certain sense yeah and so i'm out there flying this kite as high up as it'll go i got it like way i'm way better at this than when i was like last time i flew a kite when i was a kid you know, I understand the physics of it better. So I was able to get it like all the way to the end of where I had string to let it out. And uh, I, a, um, a hawk ended up coming over and just checking out the car. I thought it was going to attack it. Oh, it got wow. Close. I was just so like fascinated by this. Like, oh my God, this hawk is like coming over to at least say hi to this kite. So it was a very fun experience. So thank you for that uh, recommendation. On so, Yeah, absolutely. Um, now mm -hmm. At least once a month. At least once a month, take yourself. Yeah, out. I think it's a very healthy thing to do. Yeah, that. so good recommendation. So, I, so I think I've used up time for like the next three or four shows on my just one more thing, <clears throat> thinking that I was going to pass it off right away. But uh, <laughs> so we'll move on. Um, but Kat, what do you got for us this week on just one more thing? Well, to first just answer your question about what I thought about inside. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, definitely, I'm a fan of it. I thought it was done really well. Um, also. It, just like we talked about with this movie, it reminded me of uh, the things we had to learn in production and like also yes. learning how much you can use a small space to be so creative too. Really appreciate um, so it. Was really, that in part. really inspiring in that, in that sense. And I just, I was like telling all my production peers, I'm like, you guys need to watch this so we can talk about it. Cause I know this is going to be something our professor is going to be showing to future classes as look what you can do with, you know, a small space. But um, my yep. just one more thing is a show um, called Midnight Gospel is on Netflix. I know Devin's already heard about this because I still want him to a watch it. Cartoon? Um, it is a cartoon? Yeah, it is an anime animation, but it's based off of an actual podcast called okay. uh, Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Um, so it's very, it's, it's interesting to see an anime to see an animation be animated from a podcast, like those two medias um, overlapping. Um, Are they taking actual dialogue from the podcast and using that audio to animate too? Yes, that's exactly what okay. they did. They, okay, cool. Yeah, they took well, segments not, of the podcast. It's not really like two well, people talking though. Um, yeah, that's sorry. That, that is a good point. It's because he has multiple guests that come on. Um, mm -hmm. And I do think there's some ad added scripts 
scripting to it um, to make it kind of flow and transition well to this kind of the storyline that they have for the animation. But um, yeah, there is at least one main person for sure talking the entire for the entire series. Um, and his name is Duncan Trussell. Um, but if you don't want to watch the whole season, they've only done one season. Watch the last episode. That is by far my favorite. And it's I at least think it will resonate with not, everyone. Is it uh, formatted in such a way that that's not going to spoil the previous episodes if you watch the last one? Um, so there is somewhat of a storyline. Uh, there is some like a, a plot within the show, but I don't think it will take away from you watching the from from the whole season. I, yeah, I don't think it, it's one that's very big. It's predominantly what they talk about. Um, and the kind of the genre of the podcast itself is very philosophical. Um, talks a lot about like um, kind of excess ex, exists existentialism and existence and the universe and it's also kind of spiritual so if any of those topics interest you um i check it out cool i'll definitely check it's also, it out it's also animated by the guy who did adventure time pendleton ward oh wow oh, awesome which yeah. i'm still enjoying cool so good yeah I'm, I'm getting a wealth of stuff from just one more thing um, <laughs> even though they're never a Twitter link, uh, as they're intended. To be. <laughs> uh, Devin, prove me wrong. What do you got? For oh us man. Um, so, uh, I'm not, just, I didn't really have a, a clear thing, but I kind of found it throughout the episode. I think I'm just gonna go ahead and recommend letter Kenny, um, because it's a show that I still think is like really underrated, especially in America because it's a Canadian show. And I'd like, I find more and more people have never heard of it. Um, it, uh, definitely has inspiration from clerks. It takes place in a small rural town in Canada, um, focusing on like a group of farmers, basically, but farmers who speak very much like the the two main characters in Clerks. The okay. dialogue is extremely fast. They are all like way wittier than any human being that exists on Earth. Like they they are sure. all like sure. like superhuman levels of like banter going back and forth. Um, and uh, there's sort of a, a connected plot that that flows through each season. Like each season kind of has a self contained plot line but the, it's very kind of disconnected and it is more the kind of sketch comedy vibe of of clerks where it's like kind of these individual like scenes like here's like a funny situation that's happening cool. um and i think the play the way that it kind of excels the like like or raises the elevates the clerks format is that it has a larger ensemble cast with a lot more interesting characters and so it's just that same like all these archetypes but there's just more of them and it's really yeah. interesting to watch and i think you can watch like two minutes of one episode you watch one scene of that show and understand what it's about and and if like if you could enjoy that you'll enjoy the entire show it's so consistent sounds compelling so when did it come out and where do we find it uh it's on hulu um i believe it started a fairly long time ago like 2012 i want to say and it, it's a show it's mm -hmm. one of those that had like really long hiatuses like it was just gone for like three or four years and then they made like two seasons and the seasons hmm. are like pretty short a lot of them are only I think it's also kind of inconsistent where some of the seasons are like six episodes long and another one will be like 12. So it's very odd. It's very like, it feels like an art piece almost like they just kind of reminds like me of make um, some in a spurt and then stop. Like curb your enthusiasm was one that's just like oh, comes out every once in yeah. a while. And it's like great when it drops, you know, but it's yep. never expected. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, at this point there's, I believe quite a few episodes total between, I think there's nine seasons now. Um, cool. But yeah, some of those are very short. And yeah, it started in 2016, actually, not as far back as I thought. Oh, okay. Yeah, in that ancient time. 
in the before time in the long, long ago, 2016. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so Letter Kenny on Hulu. I'll check it out, let you know what I think. Uh, James Pepe, what have you got for us this week? Yeah, so I wanted to um, talk about something. In our first episode, when we sort of introduced ourselves, I said that I was that I had done my undergrad as a philosophy major. I think I said something mm -hmm. like that. Technically, that's not true. And <gasps> the more I, I know, the more I've been thinking about it, I'm so used to saying that as shorthand because mm -hmm. the program that I actually was in was a great books program, but no one knows what that is. Um, I don't know what it is. Yeah, so I feel like I should plug my undergraduate program. So I went to St. Mary's College, which is out in near Oakland in a city called Moraga. And they mm -hmm. have a program there called the Integral Program, and it's a great books program um, where you read um, books uh, in, a sort of, in a chronological order that um, have to do with the seven liberal arts and philosophy and theology. Um and you do that for four years. You read primary texts. You start with the Greeks, and you work up basically That's to the what modern I was day. Ask. Did you start with Plato? Yeah. History? Well, no. You start with uh, you start with the Odyssey. Oh, Aristotle. No. Okay. The Odyssey makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The Odyssey. Yes. Or I'm sorry. You start with the Iliad, and then you go to the Odyssey. Okay. Um, and I'm sure Aristotle was in there at some point. Too. Aristotle comes after Plato. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, you, Aristotle you do, was the one uh, we all had to read for writing, of course, right? Oh, really? The poetics? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you study you study the liberal arts. Uh, it's a sort of classical liberal arts education. And uh, let's see if but I can they remember. Must, they must lean heavily on philosophy then. Um, well, or in those areas. Yeah, sort of. I mean... So, I mean, it's the, so like the reason you do liberal arts is because you need to do the liberal arts to be able to do philosophy. And then you need, mm -hmm. I mean, philosophers, a lot of philosophers wouldn't say this, but you need philosophy in order to do theology. Mm -hmm. um, and so the liberal arts are, I'm not going to be able to remember that. I'm going to put these guys to shame now. It's, it's uh, geometry, <laughs> astronomy, music, poetry, um grammar i can't remember the other two let me ask you a question though you said what was the first one again geometry yeah what as far as like the maths go how why yeah. geometry is the one math that is included in liberal arts uh well i mean arithmetic is also included in that but geometry predates uh like um math in the way that we would think about it and like in mm -hmm. like algebra um it does stand out of, as different when even when i studied it it was like this is a feels different to me studying this yeah well i mean and also geometry was heavily influential to the greeks mm -hmm. um plato uh famously had written above the door of his academy do not enter unless you have geometrized your soul right so basically, but wow. I mean, okay, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, interesting. Um, and that sort of it has a double meaning. He wants you to have done Euclid's geometry, Euclid's elements, um, in order because in, in doing geometry, you you learn to recognize good and bad arguments, um, even before you start doing I see. philosophy. Okay. okay, but you all, but it's also but it's also a sort of double entendre with. 
Plato, you Plato and Aristotle have this idea of like the correct ordering of the soul. Um, they have this idea that the soul has three parts, one that's in your head, one that's in your chest, and one that's in your groin, basically. And they sort of, <laughs> uh, and those are the sort of the, the way that they think about people, right? People have this like intellectual part of them. They have a, what they refer to as the thematic part of them or thematic mm -hmm. is sort of like where you feel like patriotism or like sort of like familial camaraderie. And okay. then the, the, the loins is obvious, right? It's where you feel like sexual attraction. Mm-hmm. And, and and but also like sensual pleasure, like even food, you would that they would associate that with the the loins, right? I'll have what she's having. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, right. I've got on long enough. I could talk about this all the time because I I love it, and it was one of the best decisions I ever made in my life uh, cool. going into that program. Well, so if you're sure looking that. if you're looking for something like that, uh, head to St. Mary's or head to St. John's or. Uh, Maybe even Thomas Aquinas College in LA. Yeah. Cool. And I'll say this uh, the other day, that's just kind of on topic here. I was thinking, you know, I, I, I do a lot of different work, but I mean, everything I do is tends to be centralized around having to use technology and a very complex setup, right? And so you pull one part of that chain out and the whole thing goes down. And so as far as like problem solving and having to do tech work a lot over the years has definitely helped me to think more analytically. It like has set me up in that way to go to the philosophy part, the critical thinking where you pick apart someone's argument, because I mean, either this thing works or it doesn't. And if it doesn't work, there's going to be a logical reason for it that you have to drill down and find. And so I totally see similar uh, a, a parallel there between what you said about you have to geometrize your soul or whatever and, and prepare in, in that sense without getting too specific. Yeah. That, that, that rang true for me. So well done. And thanks for sharing that. That's, that's yeah. very, that's fascinating. Um, yeah. And so gentlemen, Jim Scott, you have the final, just one more thing to share for us uh, with us this week. <clears throat> yeah. Um, my just one more thing is, you know, obviously if you, if, if you are listening to us, you, you love film, right? Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, I, my just one more thing is go to a film festival, you, you know, attend a film festival, especially one that is featuring independent artists, whether that, and there's all kinds of genres for whatever you're into, whether that be murder, mystery, science fiction, horror, just general independent, LGBTQ, um, you know, and you'd be surprised, you know, here in Sonoma County, there are a couple of LGBTQ, you know, film festivals that happen. Um, horror, nice. I think that would be more San Francisco um, for this area or LA, definitely. There are several in LA. Um, but yeah, just do, you know, support your local artists and it's a joy to behold art, you know, in, in the media. And you'll find yeah. good company uh, spectrum. So the film festival that I'm going to, it's a, it, it, it it's at the Roxy. Mm -hmm. um, what's great here about Sonoma County is we have these, um, I think they're families that own these cinemas. Yes. So they're not like your mainstream, huge corporatized and they're able to do, uh, they're more liberal as far as, you know, showcasing some of these festivals. Um, and this one is cult film festival. 
Um, they're finally, you know, coming back. They're showing two horror films, uh, Tourist Trap and uh, Puppet Master. Nice. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to, to go go see them. The, so, the and, cult, you know, it, you guys, you guys are invited. The cult awesome. film, the, the cult film uh, program that they have there is awesome. It's so cool. Yes. I, they, I went, yes. I went and saw, um, I think it was for the 20th anniversary. They showed the matrix and I went and saw the matrix oh, wow. again on the big screen. How fun. It was so fucking cool oh man it was so cool yeah. that movie just came out of nowhere and just ended up like changing the dynamic and dominating. oh man it just blew so the lid off of and everything it still stands up i mean the other two the two sequels that have come out it obviously were just not that great but the first one just as a standalone film is so and they're good. they're remaking it or making a fourth or something they're, making a they're fourth. rebooting yeah. the franchise with a fourth one yeah which is wait yeah, they're rebooting be... it I was well, not they're like, they're, you know, they're reviving it, you know, oh, not, they're not reviving remaking, okay. they're just like rebooting this. Yeah. Okay. It's like, okay. A, it's like a new, a new, do yeah, they ignore two and three? <laughs> God, I hope so. <laughs> I know. You know right? what, though? You know what, though? I mean, two and three had some good action sequences. I mean, the story That's was dog shit, but the, yeah. but the action sequences was so cool. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, so we'll see how Matrix 4 plays out. But yeah, the original. And then I wanted to say about the, I think it's like two guys that own the those theaters. They've employed some long-standing friends of mine who I believe are still running some of the theaters. And they've been their career wow. style. And they do well by their employees. And so uh, nice. I think they own Airport Cinema, or they did. They own the Roxy. And I think they mm -hmm. own the one downtown in Santa Rosa as well. So if you're in uh, Sonoma County, go check out any one of those theaters. And um, it's uh, locally owned, which is yeah. rare. Yes. Uh, outside of Tarantino yep. by snapping them up. Um, and yeah, the one that's the one that's not owned by them, the Runner Park Cinema is like the shittiest one too. Don't go to that one. Totally. <laughs> oh, don't that's the one I worked for. It's so, there. There. It's so yeah. shitty. <laughs> yeah, they really don't keep that place up either. It's a shame. Mm -hmm. They built this huge like towering facade and big theaters and then they just let them go completely to trash so sticky floors i cool. did go there to see yeah. i did go there to see spirit away though because it was only playing there so it had well, it, it was good for that it was good for playing. me and my buddy to see spirited away dude Pepe, they, i got to see the chairs they're terrible there i have no idea it was the only it was the one and only time i've set foot in that place I, I got to see Spirit Away in an IMAX one time when I was in Portland. Oh it was fucking God. incredible. It was uh, so cool. That's neat. I went to one for the Rush I, I met my wife there. We both were working there. <laughs> that's how we met. Oh, wow. Okay. It was so long ago. It was like 20 years. So I can't believe it. Um, anyway. Well, mate, you uh, might have been working there when I went there to see uh, Spirit Away. Away. Yeah. If, yeah, it came out in 2001. I was working there. Yeah. Yeah. There. All right. Yeah. That was the probably... first time we met. Why didn't yeah, we get married exactly. then? I remember you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, this will be uh, in line with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'll miss you most of all. That faded day when I yeah. when our, our lives brushed past one another only to when be reunited paths, later. When our paths may have crossed when we didn't know of each other's existence. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I'm not crying, you're crying. Uh, Dorothy's letting us know it's time to say goodbye. So let's start with Kat. 
I'm Kathy Ramirez. It's been real. Catch me on Instagram at Kat Ramirez with two Z's. See you all next time. Yep. See you next week for uh, November. Uh, and Mr. Devin Schwartz. I'm Devin Schwartz. You can find me at Devin Schwartz one on Twitter and it is officially Wednesday. So the game is over. Ouch. And uh, James Pepe. Uh, I've been James Pepe and uh, thanks for listening and come on back next week. Yeah, we'll see you then. And uh, gentlemen, Jim Scott. Yeah, I'm Jim Scott. Uh, uh, farewell and take, take care, friends. And uh, just one final note. I'm tied with the champion, I do believe. Just want to put that out oh, there. Shit. Oh, oh man, still got it. To, there's still hope. Dude, this is yes. this is our one chance to to dethrone Devin. He guessed yeah. wrong. Yes, yeah. just yeah. get him. Okay, get him. Okay. So definitely show up next week. I'm very curious to see how this plays out. Will we have a new uh, Dundee champion? Tune in again to find out. So this has been. I'll look at yours if you look at mine. And now that you've looked at ours, we hope to look at yours soon. If you enjoy the show, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, ring that bell, give us a five-star review, dot your I's, cross your T's, sign here, initial here, and don't forget to tell your friends. And don't forget to watch November 2017, which is streaming on Canopy and Voodoo for next week's show. Until then, lookers, keep on looking. Mm.